pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. NFL season a lot closer than you think. 53 days away, including today, that we are away from the... NFL Hall of Fame game, Dallas Cowboys, Pittsburgh Steelers. The reason that's significant is because although we still have yet to hear or see teams report to any kind of offseason camp or, you know, to prepare for the upcoming season, um, you're still seeing players come down and test positive for the coronavirus. And it's interesting to me just exactly how teams are going to respond to this moving forward. And 53 days away. James Rapine with Sports Illustrated, uh, who's been on the show. He covers the Cincinnati Bengals for Sports Illustrated. But he put out a general article earlier today stating that, look, that there are quite a few NFL owners who are in favor of pushing back the kickoff to the NFL regular season. Not canceling it, uh, but delaying it. And my thing is this. When you talk a delay, folks, delaying is not two weeks. Delaying is not three weeks. Delaying, I think, is a horrible idea for the NFL. Because... The NBA delayed the season, and that was March 11th. Remember when they delayed the season? And they're not going to come back till the end of July? So you had pretty much all of March, all of May, all of June, and all of July. We're talking three and a half to four months. And that's longer, just so you know, longer than a complete NBA offseason. That was their delay. Major League Baseball, spring training. Reds were supposed to have opening day on March 28th. They were, You know what I mean? Like March. So they delayed the start to the season in the mid-March. And we have yet to resume that what is called a delayed season. So when the NFL says that they want to delay the season, so we're not talking a few weeks. And the reason I never believed that the NBA was only going to be delayed a few weeks while they figure things out is because it's a pandemic. You don't figure anything out about a pandemic in two weeks. Major League Baseball. Oh, well, you know, we'll just take a month off and, and resume and, and go. You don't figure things out about a pandemic in a month. The NFL, I'm sorry, they're supposed to kick off in September, and my thing is this, and let's be fair here. The Hall of Fame game is the kickoff, and the reason I say that is is because teams are only reporting to prepare for the Hall of Fame game if the season's starting on time. Mm-hmm. So delaying it doesn't make any sense. Delaying the season by two weeks, do you think that the NFL is going to be safer or in better shape two weeks later into the season? No. It probably won't even be that much different two months, three months. So the NFL has no business delaying the start to the season. And I don't want to hear about the coronavirus because with all due respect, the coronavirus has been around since. And no, this is not one of those conversations about who knew, who didn't let, who know when. This isn't a political thing, so shut up with that stuff right off the bat, putting it into that. Um, the the coronavirus has impacted the sports world going back into mid-March. NBA season came to a halt, then NCAA tournament just canned. Hockey come to a complete stop, you know, and everyone at that time, remember all the people that would call into the show and get pissed off because we had the nerve to bring up that, oh, the NFL, you know, this could impact them. Oh, shut up, it's March. Oh, my God, I can't believe you're bringing up something that could happen in August. Well, we're a few, we're just a month and a half away from August. Like, 
You know, right around I, the corner. you know what I mean? Like, it's June 15th. That's why I started the show, and I said it's June 15th. Because before you know it's going to be July, and then we're going to be saying, man, next month is when camp opens up for college and everything. And like it's, then it just it's full steam ahead from there. So my main argument is this. The NFL should not delay the season. You either start on time or you cancel. Don't go through the mess that the MLB is going through. The NBA, what seems to be, and uh, you know, them working together to come back. And this isn't about the players saying that they should not resume play because of the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what appeared to be a smooth transition of the NBA returning to play. Although three and a half months later, there was still a lot more behind the scenes bickering than what was made public. They just were mature adults about it and kept their business behind closed doors the way you're supposed to. They weren't a bunch of spoiled brats like Bryce Harper and Trevor Bauer and everybody else in Major League Baseball where they had to run to their Twitter account to make sure everybody knows that, hey, they're being mean to me. That didn't happen in the NBA, so I applaud them for that. But th- this isn't as simple as, oh, well, we'll just delay the season for a couple of weeks. Folks, if they delay, delay it for two weeks, what did you learn in those two extra weeks? Did the, did the game become safer? Did the coronavirus disappear in those two weeks? Just magically disappear? Like, let's be honest here. The NFL will not be in any better shape two weeks from the proposed kickoff time than just starting on time. The coronavirus isn't going anywhere. You worked hard to bring sports back during a pandemic. So you got to deal with that. I hate to use the word consequences because that sounds harsh. But you got to deal with the reality of the pandemic. That's the better phrase to use. I'm not saying consequence, but you worked hard to bring sports back during a pandemic. You got to deal with that reality that the pandemic is there. That You're not going to go to uh, Paul Brown or any other stadium in the NFL this year. And it's not going to be COVID proof. All right. It's there's no such there's no such thing as COVID proof. That's not that's not a reality at your job, at our job, at the Major League Baseball stadiums. It's not going to be to be honest, the NBA players. It's not a bulletproof strategy for them. And I think that theirs is the best of all of them. They're all playing in a controlled bubble. And it's still not going to be enough to keep the coronavirus from touching NBA players. So my point is, is that if you're the NFL You either start on time knowing that there are going to be positive tests. And what I mean by starting on time is the players would have to agree to that, too. This isn't a forcing them. But at the same time, you do got to look at the players and say, we're kicking off on time. You're either with us or you're not. You got to put in clauses like Major League Baseball and the NBA did saying, hey, we're not going to hold it against you if you do not participate because of health and safety. That's fine. We're just letting you know we're kicking off on this date. You're either with us or you're not. And that's the reality of it. People may not like that, but that's what the NFL has to do to move forward. So to sit here and say that the owners are in favor of delaying the season, stop it with that. You're not delaying the kickoff to the season because that's dumb. And the reason is, is because what are you learning in those two weeks? Let's say you delay a month. What did that extra month do? The coronavirus is going nowhere. You worked hard to bring sports back during a pandemic. Now you got to deal with that reality and say, hey, it sounded cute when we were putting the plan together to return during a pandemic, but now you got to decide, okay, is it worth playing during the pandemic? And I'm not going to give the NBA credit because they've yet to tip off. Major League Baseball hasn't figured it out. Hockey seems like they have a good grasp on it, but until I see them on the ice, I'm not ready to declare that they're the champions of all this yet. Until we see a legit pro sporting event happen in an arena, or in a stadium, and I'm not talking golf. Golf's a little bit easier to maneuver. It's more individualized, and I respect the job that you know that they have done to bring that sport back. But until I see a team sport like hockey, soccer, baseball, basketball, football, until any of those team sports has returned to the field, 
I'm not giving. No one has officially back yet. The NBA is not officially back yet. But the NFL, no. Don't waste our time with the delayed season because we all know that a two-week delay means no football in 2020. Let's just be clear. What is the cutoff, though? What is the determining factor in your mind where, like, yo, we might have to actually push this season back? Like, what has to happen in your mind? Because, like you said, there's over 100,000 people that have passed away. There's spikes happening again because states have opened up. Then you have protests going on. So people are around each other uh, again. So, I'm shoot, my brother lives in Las Vegas. He said the first week they were open, eh, it was light. But this past weekend, it was it was Vegas again. So people are out again. People are active again. What is the cutoff in your mind where, <laughs> all right, look, man, maybe we got to rethink this whole pushing forward thing. Well, I don't know if there's a cutoff, and I, I think it's not a cutoff as far as a date that we need to be started by. I think, well, that is that is what you're asking, I guess, and I'll answer that in a second. But when, when we stopped in March, it's because we had no clue. We didn't know anything. Right. It was this it was this plague that was about to wipe out our entire universe, right? And it is not that. I'm not doing that whole, oh, this is just a flu thing, but it did not wipe out. It did not wipe people out in, you know what I mean, in masses like people said it was. Mm-hmm. I'll tell that to the 100,000, 200,000 plus families that have been impacted by this who have lost, lost a loved one as far as that's concerned. But that's different. But back in March, you know, there wasn't, we didn't, like leagues didn't know that there was enough testing to be able to go through. Like the thing is, at the time, a player tested positive, it stopped a whole league. Mm-hmm. Players are testing positive now and it hasn't stopped anything. It's just, yep, that's, that's part of it. We know more now than we did then. And part of knowing more now means with the knowledge that you have now, you make a plan based on what you know now. And as you know more moving forward, you only add to that. You add to your plans. Or, to your point, if it does get worse, you bring it back. But we all knew the economies were going to open up at some point. Mm -hmm. Pro sports, the only way this was going to happen is if the economies opened back up. College football, they weren't going to bend over backwards to do this in empty stadiums. That's why Gene Smith has already been talking about, you know, the the um, social distancing guidelines as far as six feet apart, and you're not going to see a hundred plus thousand people at the shoe this year. It's going to be anywhere between twenty to fifty thousand. So this is what I mean by it's not like we're going into this blind. We don't have all the answers, but we have more answers than we did back in March because yeah, everyone's like, oh, we need more information. We're always going to need more information, but you could only plan with the information you have now. And to look at the growth from where we were in March to now. If, it makes me feel good that there is a plan in place. There's a plan in place to allow me as a human being to have the option to say, am I comfortable to go to that game or not? And I can go to that game or I can not. Just like I can go to Frickers or not go to Frickers. I can, and I'm not being funny here and don't spin this. I can go protest or I could stay home. Mm-hmm. I could go loot and riot or I could stay home. Uh, I'm not trying to be funny. I, all I'm saying is that we all have choices to make. Guidelines could be put out. We're at, you know, we have more knowledge now about the coronavirus than we did back in March. And the only thing you could do is pass on that knowledge and hope people make the best decision with it. But to your point, the NFL does have the power to say, hey, the risk is too high. We don't want to get started and have to stop. I think that's the other thing, too. They need to have a plan in place for we're going to start with fans, uh, but here's our plan for without fans, too. And I think you could see where a season's not canceled completely. It could just be, hey, week one, we have fans and it starts spreading and it's maybe by week 10, there are no fans. I don't know, but I, I, it's going to be interesting moving forward. My question for the NFL is, you know, you hear all these possibilities that college football is doing. Maybe they only play a regional schedule. Maybe uh, baseball as well, regional schedule. But in the NFL, it just seems like everything is full steam ahead. Like, 
where you know the, the Raiders could be playing at New England, like, and then the, the Dolphins could be playing in Dallas. Like everything, it just seems like oh, yeah, we're, we're going as is. So maybe they are working on contingency plans, like like uh, all the other sports are. But I think that's the the appetite for us as football fans. Like we want to know everything right away. Like as yep. soon as they discuss it, we want to report on it. But the bad thing about that is when they report on it, we always got a rebuttal for it, good or bad. So, but I, I do think like they need to be coming up with an idea. Four five seven nine four yeah. six four, and uh, we'll get back to Kevin in a second because I wanted to finish his thought on that. But hey, yeah, it's it, it's going to be interesting moving forward. I, I think it's to sum up quickly for those of you tuning in uh, just now tuning in. James Rapine with Sports Illustrated came out and announced that hey, you know, uh, throughout all of this, that there are owners out there who are urging the NFL to delay the start and kickoff to the season. I just think that there should be no delay to the season. You kick off on time or there's just no season. Because delaying it makes no sense, folks. I got why the NBA delayed it in March. You had no answers. You had no clue what it was. It was safer to say, hey, we're just going to come to a complete stop. And then we're going to, you know... We're going to come to a complete stop, and then we'll reevaluate here in a couple weeks. Because there was you had zero knowledge of what was going on back in March. Now, delaying it... You have enough information to know. Like, we all know, even the owners of all NFL teams and, and Roger Goodell, everyone knows that this is dangerous moving forward. It's just a matter of whether you want to risk it or not. And delaying it two weeks makes zero sense to me. It makes zero sense as far as that's concerned. All right, we're going to step away, but I'm curious. How concerned are you as NFL fans that the season may not kick off on time. We're going to use the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. 937-210-9676. Text or leave a voicemail at 210-9676. It's the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. How concerned are you that NFL owners, some NFL owners, want to see a delay to the season? We'll be back in a moment. Uh, while the while the flag, or excuse me, while the national anthem is going on, is not disrespect to a flag or any troops. In, in fact, it's the opposite. It is calling the country to live up to what it says that it believes in. Like it is more than anything, it is suggesting that we can do better and we can actually be the America that we say that we want to be. There should be no opposition to that. So saying that doesn't. ESPN date fourteen ten wing AM. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash live here on fourteen ten ESPN Radio four five seven. 9464. That's the number to call in and be a part of the conversation. For those of you who are at work and can't call in, don't worry. We have another option for you to be able to let your opinion be heard on the show. It's the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. Six. Save that in your phones. 210-9676. And you can text your opinions in. Uh, It's best if you Say, hey, this is John or this is Tina, this is whoever, and then uh, with your opinion so I can you know, credit you on the show. But uh, add to the conversation. You can also leave voicemails uh, when you call. You'll hear that voice message right away. You leave your quick note, and then we air it on the show as well. Uh, it, it replaces what used to be the app and the talkback feature. I know a lot of people had fun with that. We want to keep that going. So one more time, 937-210-9676. It's the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. All right, so the question that we threw out and asked you was, of course, right now you're hearing reports that multiple NFL owners are in favor of pushing back the start time, delaying the kickoff time to the regular season for the National Football League. This is interesting because we're entering a a different stage of 
We just thought that the NFL was moving full steam ahead. You know, people kept saying, "Oh no, no, don't start the, uh, you know, don't don't have the the NFL draft. That's tone deaf. That there's you know death on the streets." And we're we're sitting here talking about the NFL draft. I thought that was foolish uh, from Adam Schefter back in that during that time because I thought that yes, but not having the draft isn't going to take away the reality of the pandemic at that time, um, and that's kind of where we're at. Right now, my my thing is this: is if you you've put too much time and effort, if you're the NFL, into preparing a season to have a season during a pandemic, to sit there and let the idea of players testing positive scare you away from having it. So that's where I'm at as far as that's concerned. Don't be afraid to have players test positive. And no matter how you say it, Kev, I know it sounds cold-hearted. It sounds weird, doesn't it? Like, you yes. can't be afraid. But, like, that's the... Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the reality, though. You can't come back and expect no one to test positive. You have to come back and say, hey, guys, look, we put these plans in place to to make sure you're as safe as possible. But, you know, you reported to... Can't, like, this is where we're going to get into this waiver coming up around the corner or the, mm-hmm. the Buckeye Pledge or whatever. Me and you are split on this, and I don't know where the right where it is in the middle and comparing this to other things that you sign off on as far as your health and risks are concerned in other situations. But I'm just curious as far as like, we're at this point now where the NFL or owners are coming out saying, Oh, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I, where was this two months ago? This should have been the mindset from the very beginning. Like I blame owners for getting to this point of the NFL. We're a month and a half from kicking off. And now you're voicing that you don't want to move forward with this. This should have been voiced a lot earlier and to their defense maybe it has been and it just hasn't been reported I um, would imagine that is just the amount of information that people are getting because people are seeing that like that states are reopening and we're getting spikes and it's like oh I thought things were getting better I thought things were going to be better I thought like oh it's March we don't have the season until September I thought it'd be a lot further along now I thought maybe they have a vaccine I thought this I thought that and people are slowly but surely realizing like uh this COVID-19 thing is kind of like still here. And no matter what people try to tell you and what's going on on the news or the, the stories that change throughout the day, the fact of the matter is over 100,000 people have been died from this and COVID-19 is still here. And maybe these owners are thinking to themselves like, what if this gets worse? Yep. And then we're in, we have to shut down in the, in the middle of the season, like like we talked about before, um, reopening versus just staying closed or what could be worse, reopening and then have to shut back down. Maybe they have that thought process in mind, like, man, we can't start the season and then have to shut down October 15th because this thing got out of hand. Maybe that's the thought process. Yeah, that too. But keep in mind, when we say that things are spiking too, I think that people are trying to be realistic of understanding too that we have like millions and millions and millions more tests now than we did. Yes. So that's gonna uh, that's gonna automatically equate to that. Yes. We can't be honestly, folks. Like we can't be afraid of the positive tests. Like they're they're going to be there as long as the pandemic is here and there's no vaccine. There, it's going to be here. So we can't be. Af- I mean, you could be afraid of it, but you you can't. Or if you're going to hide from it, you have that right as an American to hide from hide from it. You have that right. But if you're going to move forward with playing, you know, that that's the reality of it. We're going to get to how that's impacted the college stuff uh, coming up here in just a moment. But, uh, yeah, as far as that's concerned, 210-9676, the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. You can text in your thoughts on that. Are you concerned at all that the NFL could potentially delay the kickoff? We'll get to your responses coming up here uh, in just a moment. As far as what's on deck here for today's show, uh, 
OBJ was working out with a very interesting quarterback as of late and uh, it has led to conversations about this quarterback, why he doesn't have a job yet, and could this make sense if a certain quarterback on a certain team doesn't have what is anticipated to be a great season coming up? We'll have that around the corner. I don't know how many of you out there were able to catch the 30 for 30 uh, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire documentary last night. Some say that it was a horrible documentary, um, and others, you know, for me, it wasn't about the quality of the documentary. It just kind of took me back uh, to a time that really baseball was just fun to watch. I don't think baseball is fun to watch right now as a whole. And what I mean by baseball being fun to watch is I want baseball to be fun to watch regardless of the teams that I'm watching. I want there to be multiple, like the NBA is like that for me, where I'm not a Houston Rockets fan, and I'm not even not a James Harden fan, but he's good enough that if he's on television, I'm going to want to watch him. You know, the Warriors. I hated Kevin Durant on the Warriors. I couldn't stand the Golden State Warriors, but when they were on, I watched them. Cavs fans, when LeBron left Cleveland the first time, went to the Miami Heat. You hated LeBron James. You hated the Miami Heat, but you if the Heat were on, you were watching. You were hate-watching. They had yeah. your interest. Baseball doesn't even have the stars in today's game that I hate-watch. Like I, I just have no interest in watching Yankees, Red Sox. What about Judge? Well, that's, I shouldn't have said that because that's the team I do watch. Like I love <laughs> uh, Judge and Sanchez and those guys, but um, you know what I'm saying? Like there's just There's not enough stars in the game right now. So yeah, I, what you said about hate watching, like that's how the NBA thrives because there's always the LeBron guys, there's the Steph Curry guys. Like people find their camps, and that's who they camp with. So if I'm a Kobe guy, I don't want LeBron to get another ring to get closer to Kobe Bryant. If I'm a Michael Jordan guy, I'm definitely not rooting for him. You know, so the hate watch is real. If I'm a uh, um, in the NFL. Like if I grew up watching Joe Montana, I'm hate watching Tom Brady. Like that's that's like what we do. But in in the major league baseball, it's really not hate watching a player. It's really hate watching an organization. And for the longest time, that was the Yankees. And it's been I don't know how long in between Yankees championships, but it's been a very long time. So, Over a decade. At the 2009, I believe, was the last one. They won woo. it with Alex Rodriguez and Jeter. So so now I playfully hate watch the Yankees because my best friend is a Yankees fan. My brother is a huge Derek Jeter fan. So I hate watch them. But you know what I end up doing? I end up like watching them because they're a very entertaining team and they have a lot of stars on their team. So outside of the team that I root for, I watch the Yankees the most because they're the most entertaining team to me. All right, we're getting uh, we're getting to that coming up around the corner too because there was a key line in that documentary that really struck, stood out to me, and I was able to look at that line and say that's what's wrong with that. That's why baseball is nowhere close to being fixed. There's not a rule in baseball that you could change to make baseball better. And last night's documentary exposed that. That might have been one of baseball's darkest days during the steroid era, but it also highlighted something that I thought was something that baseball had, even coming out of the 94 strike that baseball does not have today, and that's star power. We'll get into that coming up around the corner. But how about this? The ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline, 210-9676. Uh, we'll get to this response. ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. On the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline, uh, we have this texted in. My name is Tom. I don't know why we can't just say 2020 is a wash for all sports. I'm an NFL Browns season ticket holder. I'm not real crazy about the thought of being in that stadium with thousands of people not knowing who is sick and who isn't. Go Browns. Exactly. Go Browns. Uh, Tom, I appreciate that response because especially you being a season ticket holder, uh, the next question I have is, you know, what's the communication bed like as far as season tickets are concerned and what's that policy there? Because we don't even 
even know what the what the attendance policy is going to be for NFL games yet. But he brings up a good point. And for those who are wondering how we got back into this, we spent the majority of the first hour of the show talking about that there's multiple NFL owners who have come out and said that they're in favor of delaying the start to the season. And I said that, no, I'm not a fan of delaying the season at all. You've known since March that this is out there, and yet you still moved full steam ahead to have a season during a pandemic. Don't act like you're shocked that, oh, man, people are testing positive. If you're shocked by that at this point, you're an idiot. Because we knew that people were going to test positive for this. Your job is not to sit there and be shocked that there's people testing positive. It's to have a plan in place for what you're going to do during that. And Mm -hmm. if the plan in place is not one that is going to comfort not just your players and employees of the building, but your fans, like Tom just said in the text message on the ESPN Dayton Dayton fan hotline at 210-9676, you know, Tom, the season ticket holder, says he's not real comfortable going to Browns games this year with not knowing who's sick and who's not sick. And that's the thing about these, these social distancing protocols. All of this is an optics thing. These really aren't that safe. I'm not going to lie to you. And I've made fun of this before. I can't stand when I go to a restaurant and they say, oh, it's contact. You know, you don't, you know, you're going to grab the food. I watched it when I went through a fast food restaurant last week where. They took the food, they put it in the box, they touched my food, which whatever, I don't care, There's how else am I going to get it? Okay. Mm-hmm. They touched the food with their gloves on, put it in the box, and then handed me the box to take my food out of. That's not, doing, that's not accomplishing anything. But you know what it is doing? It's making me feel safe. It's making me, it's me as a consumer saying, oh, they're, they're doing their part to keep me safe. It's not really keeping me safe, but it's making me think that way, which is driving business to them. And that's what the NFL is doing here. Oh, come to our games. College, same thing. Major League Baseball, NBA. Anyone who's going to have fans, and I know some aren't, but anyone who's going to have fans, you're getting them putting these rules in place that are going to make it safer. It's not making it safer. It's just making you feel safer. The social distancing thing, Kev, like, come on. We're, I mean, you, I could sneeze on you from six feet away. You're still going to get it. So the rule is don't sneeze on people. The rule should be the same whether we're sitting six feet apart or next to each other. Sneezing on someone is bad. Like, like that doesn't matter how much how many feet are between us. But it I was thought, bad before. It's even worse now. So uh, we got another response in the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. This comes from JV and Trotwood. He says that the NFL is the one league that had more than enough time. Oh, I applaud this response. That He's saying this better than I did. This is what I was trying to say earlier. JV says that the NFL is the one league that had more than enough time to create contingency plans, and they still do, but whatever they do, they need to be quick and consistent. JV from Trotwood. That's what I meant earlier by you should not delay the kickoff to the season. You've had since March. Okay, you've had a jump start. Like Major League Baseball, the reason they've had hiccups too, you had to rewrite the rules for your season that was supposed to start a few weeks from when you canceled it. They got a little window room. I mean, it took three and a half months for the NBA to gauge the situation and come up with a plan and implement that plan to get the players to agree to it, and now here we are. So the NFL, they don't get that benefit of the doubt because JV's right. From March when you found out, until August when you kick off, that's you've had pretty much the whole year to come up with a contingency plan to kick off, and you've had enough time to, unlike the other leagues who are trying to come up with plan A, the NFL's had time to come up with plan A, B, and C. So delaying the season to me is not an option because you are not learning anything. If you delay it by two weeks, three weeks, or four, you're not learning anything in that time period. Period. For me, that just shows they don't know what they're do- not know what they're doing, but they don't know what to do. And, and I think there's nothing wrong with saying that either. And I think that's why they're talking about delaying the season because they're like, yo, man, we can't get a wrap on this. We can't lock this down the way we anticipated. We're not coming up with good solutions. So maybe we should start thinking about 
delaying the season. I'm not saying they should or shouldn't, but maybe that I think that should be on the table if they can't come up with something to keep not only their players safe, but also their fans. And because the worst thing that could happen is the business could just bottom out. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's like the worst case scenario. Like, yo, they end up pulling a Vince McMahon and there ain't no football. There ain't no NFL. Like, you don't want, nobody wants that. All right, well, good stuff. I appreciate the responses on the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. Uh, we have a few more. We'll get into, we'll sprinkle those in throughout because I know we'll be getting back into this, uh, you know, throughout the show. How about Ohio State? The the Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> um, they did something that I have been calling for. Do you remember when we first started doing the show months ago? I said, "Don't be surprised when teams start putting, you know, handing out waivers. You know, waivers that you have to sign acknowledging." The risks involved. I don't remember what your response was to that, but some thought that that was stupid of me to say that that wasn't going to be the case. And yet here we are, Ohio State getting kind of ridiculed. And I don't get why, because I thought this was common sense as far as this is concerned. I mean, people could be against the concept of it, but I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that it's happening. I've been saying for months now that uh, when we get closer to the season, you are going to be in a situation where college athletes are going to be handed waivers that they sign acknowledging the risks involved of playing during a pandemic. And what's funny to me is, like, we have to stop talking about college athletes as if they are robots and cannot think for themselves. And what I mean by that is, is they are just as smart as the NFL players and everyone else. Now, they get, you know, their situation's different. They're not being paid to play, wink, wink, non- you know. You know, they're not being paid to play. Uh, so it's a little different. But, look, they are no different than, you know, how many other, look, how many of the universities right now are worried about enrollment dropping? Because, there are students out there who are making adult decisions for themselves saying, hey, maybe going to school isn't smart right now. And this is just regular student A who's going to study biology. That biology student is making his or her decision saying, hey, you know, I'm not comfortable going to UD or Wright State or wherever this school year because of the pandemic. I'm going to take the year off. If those regular students can make a decision for themselves, for their health and everything else in their future, the student athletes could do the same. So we need to stop acting like, they are being forced to play. No one's forcing anyone to do anything. They are just being told, hey, we're moving forward with this. You're either with us or not. Ohio State offered a waiver for the players to sign before returning to campus on June 8th for voluntary workouts. I liked the waiver idea. I'm surprised that so many people are against it. Jay Billis hates it. Uh, Kevin, I disagree on it. We're going to get to that as we kick things off in hour two. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. Kinner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. You drive more carefully when you're buzzed. You've proven that hundreds of times. A woman admires that kind of confidence. And you've practiced how to speak if a cop does pull you over. Slowly, clearly, and politely like, good evening, officer. A woman admires that kind of foresight. And what woman doesn't find it adorable that you call it buzzed even though the law calls it drunk. You can kiss $10,000 goodbye, along with any chance of... Hour two, off and rolling here on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here. Reach out to the show using the ESPN Dayton fan hotline, 210-9676. Put a 937 in front of that. You could text the show or call and leave a quick voice message. That will air on the show as well if you want your opinion to be heard during any discussion or if you want to bring a discussion uh, to the table, you can always do it that way as well. That's just if you want to leave a quick note in passing if you're at work or busy. But if you want to call in and have a conversation, you can use, of course, the studio hotline at 457-9464, doing our best not to confuse you with so many 
many different numbers, but I'll, I'm going to do it heavy for a while just to kind of get people used to it. Text, leave a voice message on the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline, 210-9676, or you can call in and have a conversation live on the air in the studio hotline number at 457-9464. However you want to be a part of what we do, we appreciate that you take the time to do it. And we've had a lot of interaction already through text messages on the fan hotline, and we'll continue to take your opinion that way as well. So Ohio State, uh, the Buckeyes returned to campus on June 6th for voluntary workouts um, for the Ohio State football program, obviously. June 8th, I apologize, June 8th. Um, and Ohio State had the Buckeyes, upon arriving to campus for their voluntary workouts, sign a waiver um, you know, they sign what they like to call the Buckeye Pledge. And uh, look, you could put any cute little nickname on it or you want. We know it's a waiver. I don't think you should cute it up. Look at the players and say, listen, we're playing during a freaking pandemic, man. Like, we're doing our part to keep you safe, and you need to do your part to keep you safe when you're away from campus. But, you know, I need you guys to understand that by coming to play football during a pandemic, you're acknowledging the risks of potentially catching the coronavirus. Um, so the Buckeye Pledge was required for players who returned to campus on June 8th for voluntary workouts. Players signed the pledge to help stop the spread. So Jane Smith comes out and says, relax, folks. This was There's no legal bind to this. This was just kind of like a pledge by the players saying, we acknowledge that we need to do our part in, in helping stop the spread of the coronavirus, whether it be on campus or away from campus. So it's a pledge. You know, it's like in D.A.R.E. D, I won't do drugs. A, won't have an attitude. You know, remember that song? So the Buckeyes are singing their pledge song, you know, D.A.R.E. song, whatever. Now, again, this pledge that was signed to help stop the spread and also to acknowledge that they might be exposed to COVID-19. And I have no I have no problem with the school doing this. Like, I've been, I've been preaching this since the beginning, that we all have choices in life. Some of us have more pressure. With some of us, everything is not so down the middle. All right, It's not like a balance beam where we're right in the middle and it's either lean to the left or lean to the right. All right, There's a lot of pressure that, hey, we're being kind of pushed to lean to the... And this isn't political, left or right, just so we're clear <laughs> yeah, here. My goodness. This is, I have to put a disclaimer <laughs> out there for everything. That's not what I'm talking here as far as left and right, you know, as far as politics. But I'm just saying, think of like a, a, ba- you know, like a teeter-totter, basically. Like, you're in the middle, you're balanced, but... We have a choice, whether we lean right or lean left, not politically, it's not what I'm talking about, but there's some of us, there's a lot of people pushing you to lean this direction or pushing you to lean that direction. And no offense, I don't feel bad, whatever that pressure is, because we all have pressure in our lives. We all have people that are pushing us in one way or another to make certain decisions. These student athletes, I get it. Kev laughed at me during the break saying, hey, you forgot to mention that those voluntary workouts probably aren't very voluntary. (laughs) I get that, but they are. Everything in life is voluntary. You know, I have to go to work every day to make a living, but I'm choosing to go to work every day to make a living. No one's making me. You know, I'm choosing to have a house that I enjoy living in. I'm choosing to uh, have cable. By the way, I cut cable. I really enjoy YouTube TV. Just a little plug there as far as that's concerned, you know. So I'm choosing that. Everything, you know what I mean? Like, sure, there are a lot of, you know, repercussions if I choose make a certain decision. But the bottom line is, is I get to choose what I want to do. And there's a lot of pressure on me from my girlfriend, from her parents, from, you know, hey, you can need a job to take care of my, you know, take care of my daughter. I get that. Like there's so that's what I'm talking about as far as pressure in to you doing what you need to do in life. But I choose whether I want to work or not. And these players, they're voluntary workouts. And sure, if they don't go, that's going to be held against them in decision-making time when it comes time to, for not cuts really, but who's going to get playing time and all that stuff. That's the same in any sport at any level. 
But they're choosing to go. They are college athletes. They are not five-year-olds. They're not 12-year-olds. They are adults. I get tired of when we talk about college athletes as if they are just this little baby that needs coddled. No, they're men, men and women. College athletes, men, women's college athletes, men's college athletes, they're all men. They're all women. They can all make their own decisions. Do you make dumb decisions when you're young? Yes. But if Tina and Bob, the biology students who have no athletic affiliation whatsoever, are taking the year off because they're nervous about reporting to campus in the fall because of the coronavirus, if they are smart enough to make their own decision to sit out of school for a year because they're not comfortable or feel safe enough to return, then the student athletes have that same capability. So when a team says, hey, we want you to sign a waiver acknowledging that you could potentially get sick by returning, I don't see what the problem is. And if that waiver says you cannot in return sue us, well, that's a deeper discussion that you can look at in return. But at the same time, when Gene Smith has to come out and say, oh, this isn't a legally binding thing, make it. Everyone's looking for reasons to sue nowadays. These players are all about, no, man, nothing's going to keep me from playing college football this year. We need, we want to be out there. I only get four years. I only get four years. I'm a year away from being drafted in the NFL. I need to be out there. Oh, I got the coronavirus. That's it. I'm suing Gene Smith and the entire athletics director. I just got sick. That's BS. I'm sorry. I don't care. Me and Kev disagree on this, and he's shaking his head. <laughs> but all I'm saying is, is from that standpoint, I don't get what the big deal is. Like that Gene Smith had to come out and publicly make a statement because so many people were upset. Jay Billis is upset. Kev Nash over here is upset. I don't I'm get why people are upset. I'm not necessarily upset. Um, I'm, I'm doing the research right now just trying to get a clear understanding of what this quote-unquote Buckeye pledge is. Um, it also says that um, you will be tested frequently. Um, so I, from everything that I'm reading, every player, um, every scholarship player, and their parents signed off on this "quote unquote" Buckeye pledge. So I, if you can get 88, 85 student athletes and their parents to sign off on it, and not one person say, uh, look into it to say like, well, this isn't legally binding for a, you know what I'm saying, a legal situation if my uh my child comes down with COVID nineteen, then I'm cool with it because you Why know Why are what? mommies and daddies involved? You're adults. Why are mommies and daddies so involved? So you're one of those people that believe that I, they, I was, they, they I was turned, an adult they, the second they, I turned, turned eighteen. Yep. I chose okay. whether I wanted chicken ramen or beef ramen. I mean, I was making decisions for myself the <laughs> second I graduated high school. And it can be done. Uh, it yes. can be done. I I'm, why why are the they're adults. When you when you graduate high school, that's what they tell you. Welcome to adulthood, and then you that that is that's how, a technicality. Regular, no, it's that, not. That regular students are considered adults, but college athletes. No, are considered, how, how are the regular little students babies? considered adults? They're they're they're, they're eighteen. Young. You're an adult. That's the technical definition. No, that's my definition. That, they are adults. No, they're not. You wouldn't. <laughs> we've had interns here at the station that you didn't trust that were older than eighteen. That's because of experience, not anything else. But they're an adult. Okay. But we're not. What do you mean? They're an adult. It's based interns. You know, obviously you're gonna be a little weary about interns because of experience, their experience at the job. Hey, if they're 12 and know how to set up our remotes and stuff, by all means, <laughs> give them a fob key and let them get set up. Don't forget it, by the way. <laughs> right? Exact. Exact. My, you just proved my point right there. It, so just, if, they, if they forget their fob key, they're not an adult. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, just because you're a certain age doesn't necessarily mean you're an adult. Like there's levels to this, and there's levels to maturity. 18 is an adult. That's that's a fact. That's not an opinion. Oh, no. what's your opinion who's an adult well i think it's 22 year olds but some think it's 18 no it's 18 you're an adult no. at 18 and no. you get to make your de- why is the 18 year old 
biology student I, I, I just, that decision, I just but not feel, the football student. I just don't feel that at the all right on uh, my birthday is in April. So on April 10th, I'm 17, and then on April 11th, I turn 18. Boom, I'm magically an adult. It's a gradual process. It isn't just a, a flick of the switch like, all right, I'm an adult now. I'm going to do mature things. I don't need to rely on my, my parents. Then you're an immature my, uh, adult. No. Yes. That, that means you need to, if you can't rely on the people that raised you in the for advice and like, what should I do? Like, I asked my brother for advice right now, and I'm a grown man. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You're there's such nothing a child. <laughs> And this from the guy, how many years were you at the uh, Wright State? Uh, eight. Now, <laughs> technically six. I graduated eight years after I graduated high school, but I was at Wright State for six. And so, the, yeah, but still. So it's a process, right? It took you time, right? It took you time to realize, to like, to, to realize, realize what I wanted to do. To, yeah, to realize what you wanted to do, to realize, like, wait, my friends are really taking school serious. I need to buckle down to get my stuff together and to just mature. It's, it didn't so happen overnight. I became a mature adult. I was an immature adult, became a mature adult. <laughs> like, you are 18. Like adults are adults. When you're in college and you're living on your own, you're an adult. You're an adult. Like, I'll never forget the first time. Uh, I can't go there. Never mind. <laughs> Let's think, not go I'm there. I'm think of how I could. No, I can't tell that story either. Nope. Forget it. 457 Uh as well as the ESPN Dayton fan hotline, 210-9676. The ESPN Dayton. Should schools require players to sign a waiver? And if they do, what is the big deal? Ohio State called it a Buckeye pledge and that there's no legal, there's no legal anything binding to it. Yeah, this isn't a waiver. They're not waiving any rights. This well, is even if it was, I have no problem. Even if it was like balls to the wall, a legal document, sign it. You are, you, I mean, you could sue everyone for everything. Yeah, everyone for I would, everything. I wouldn't be signing anything. Well, that, I mean, <laughs> that, I all I'm saying is, is I I would sign it because if I'm acknowledged, look, you can't have it both ways. You can't say I got to play college football. I got to get to college. I can't wait to get to college football. I can't wait to be with my friends. I can't wait to go. You know, I'm all the girls. I can't wait to go to all the parties. I can't wait to have fun. Oh, I can't deal with the coronavirus. You know, this wouldn't have happened if uh, well, it wouldn't happen. There was no. There is no. It wouldn't have happened. It's the corona. It's a pandemic. You are choosing to play during a pandemic. The risk is there. You just need to acknowledge it so that you can't turn around and sue. It's no different than when I go to a, a, a an amusement park and let's get the jokes out now. I'm five five. You must be this tall to ride this ride. Ha ha ha. Yeah. So now that that's out of the way, there are some rides. There are some haunted houses. All right. When we get to that point coming up in October, there's some haunted houses in the area that you sign a waiver. That hey, when you go through this, you have to sign a waiver. Why do you sign a waiver? It's not a pledge. Hey, can you sign this pledge for me that you will not piss your pants out of fear whenever you walk through here? <laughs> no. It's acknowledging that if they scare the living crap out of you, you can't turn around and sue or anything else like that. Like that that's that, that's what a waiver is. What's but the big deal? We sign waiver. waivers all the time. They need to sign a waiver. This little pledge is stupid. Sign the waiver. These, these students need to sign the waiver. That's just my opinion on it. Nah, bottom line. Nah, it's coming. Signed. There's gonna be oh, some yeah, kind of one. It's coming. definitely gonna be something coming down, but I know I wouldn't be signing anything. Here's being I, difficult. I be, You're being difficult. I, it's different between this and the NFL. In the NFL, I would I would highly consider it. I probably would sign it if I was already in the NFL in, in my field, but I wouldn't be signing this right now. All right, four five seven nine four six four, or of course, uh, the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline two one zero nine six seven six at that. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, we got into the ESP or the NFL season potentially being delayed. Zeke Elliott testing positive. 
for the coronavirus. Multiple Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans players. Really the first, and I, I can't think of any other reports of NFL players testing positive. I thought of this, too. I think that some of the scandals you're going to see moving forward are going to be teams hiding positive tests of the coronavirus. You know how when you hide injuries? You know what I mean? Like, let's say a Super Bowl happens and the player tests positive before. Let's say it's uh, a star player. Let's say it's like, you know, the Patrick Mahomes tests positive the night before. You know, I, I see future scandals of this as, oh, man, they potentially knew that he had tested positive for it, and they let him play anyways because the Super Bowl was the next day and they were willing to to risk the comp. You know what I mean? Like, I see that type of stuff happening here. Like, I really do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, as far as, like, hiding that, um, I think it's it's a it's bad PR for has the league. Has the league said who's doing the testing? Or are each team going to be responsible for their testing? Or is this going to be a league test? That I'm not sure. That I'm not sure. Because best believe, if it's a team test, oh, yeah, Patty Mahomes is going out there. <laughs> so, yeah, and, like, who's going to – but it's no different than, like, team doctors who, you know, there's pressure from the owners that tell you, hey, um, we know that we need you to write down that this injury is not as serious as what it is or maybe let's, you know, let's not let this history uh, leak out there and stuff. Like, we're always going to see stuff like that happen as far as that's concerned. Uh, but let's go to the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. 210-9676. You could text or leave a voice message. This one coming in from Greg W. Greg W. says uh, that can you buy alcohol or cigarettes at 18? Are they adults? Maybe for some things. Cigarettes. Shots Get your weed, man. Get cigarettes. <laughs> who smokes cigarettes anymore? By the way, anytime I see people smoking cigarettes, I'm like, why do you, who still does that? Like, that's a thing? <laughs> you know. I secondhand smoke. It's cheaper. You know, they don't have to buy my cigarettes. You know, I, I run it. I see the people that uh, are smokers in the wintertime. You got to be dedicated to smoke in the wintertime in Ohio, boy. You go out there in your little trench coat and and your slacks and be right by that windy door getting your puff on. You are dedicated. I've never been dedicated to anything as much as a smoker is in the wintertime, I tell you. My that. favorite in the down like downstairs, if you go into the you know, to use the restroom downstairs at one of the urinals <laughs> and you look up and there's a sign that says, Please don't throw your cigarette butts in there. I mean, can you imagine by the way, you see humans are gross. People are just gross. You like the coronavirus is so easily passable because we're just gross people anyways. Like human beings are just nasty to begin with. Like even with these precautions put in place. But like think about that. That sign had to be put in place for what reason? Because someone was there using the restroom with a cigarette, <laughs> holding something in their one hand and a cigarette in their other. And ugh, that's so gr- like So the sign, you know, please don't throw your cigarette butts in the toilet because it backs it up. Like, that's hilarious to me. Like, that's, you know, clearly not a problem today. But I love that the sign's still up for vintage <laughs> Think reasons. about it like this. There was a time where you used to be able to smoke cigarettes on an airplane. Or at restaurants, man. <laughs> You're in a metal can in the sky, and somebody's blazing up. <laughs> well, sometimes, depending on who you have to sit by, it might drive you to need a cigarette sometimes, too. <laughs> Holy moly. All right, uh, but to, to be fair, Greg W. on the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline, 210-9676, says, Can you buy alcohol or cigarettes at 18? This stemming from the conversation of, look, um, we need to stop coddling these student-athletes like they're little kids. I mean, we're we're talking, you know, Keith Byers on the show earlier today said that, you know, his son, that he wouldn't let his son go and play. And I was like, well, what do you, if they want to go, they're adults. They, they can go. If they that, That's my big thing on this. My background's different. I was taking care of myself. I mean, right when high school was done, boom. Uh, now, to be fair, um, my family helps a lot. 
Uh, I had friends of family a lot. I had family friends that helped make sure I had everything I needed. Grateful for that. All I'm saying is, is though, like, I still made, ultimately, and just like we all do, we make our own decisions, and these guys aren't robots, and if you, they all want to play. you got to protect them from themselves. I get that, but if you aren't able to protect them from themselves and they do choose to go, you got to start teaching. You want to talk about being young and immature. Part of being young and immature is also being taught that every decision you make has consequences. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, if they make that decision to go and play and they get it, like that, you shouldn't be able to turn around and blame everyone else for why you got it at the same right, time. Robert, so, 457-9464. Uh, that's kind of where we got it to with that. But yeah, Ohio State making him sign the Buckeye Pledge. To be fair, it wasn't a legal waiver. Uh, it was basically just saying, hey, you know what? Um, as far as I'm concerned, all you need to do, you know, just it's they have a list of guidelines of everything you need to do to help stop the spread of the coronavirus and basically promising themselves and their teammates, hey, this is what you got to do to not only take care of yourself while you're away or here, but you're taking care of the people around you. It so. reminds me of one of the pledges that you take uh, before prom. You know, the, I'm not going to drink. I'm yep. not going to do this. And that, that's what this reminds me of. Obviously, both are very serious. But, you know, it just gives you a list of symptoms and you agree to be tested. You agree to be quarantined and all this type of stuff. I think it's a great idea. I don't know why people will be upset about them signing this. This is to keep not only them safe, but their parents safe, uh, other people safe. So it's, it's, it's a step in the right direction to try to get everybody on the same mindset of hey if you're not feeling well go home how many times have you gone to your job not feeling great like oh, i'm gonna just tough it out it's just eight hours i'll get through the day and you're not feeling the best and you uh get home and you go immediately to bed well if you go home and go immediately to bed then you probably shouldn't have been at work that day i've been, i'm guilty of that but guess what i'm not gonna do that anymore i'm if when i'm feeling sick and not feeling my best i'm going home you know, and that's and that's something I think they're trying to push to these student athletes. Like, yo, like if you're not feeling well, let's 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 get into the habit of letting people know, and so it can be taken care of. Yeah, as they're signing those, you watch the movie Coach Carter, right? Absolutely. I just remember the meeting that they had to have in the gym because he made them sign. They signed contracts, and like that's that's what that reminds me of. <laughs> uh, a 2.4 GPA. I'll never. I love that's one of my all time favorite sports movies, by the way. And I love that that scene is so funny to me because that's what I keep thinking about here. Is like all the parents are pissed because their kids <laughs> have to sign these these contracts. They're not, you know, I don't know. It is what it is. But you're right. The the pledges. It it's just basically to acknowledge that hey. You know, they're kind of like team contracts to an extent of yeah. saying, hey, you know, you violated this. But, okay, they're sitting there saying there's no legal binding to it. Maybe it's just a practice to force yeah. the student-athletes to, to think moving forward. But I'm promising you, this isn't that. I mean, they called it a Buckeye Pledge. They needed a cute little nickname to make sure that people got the difference. But I still think that the real pledge is coming around the corner, and that's going to be a conversation for another day. Is that an NCAA thing or a school-to-school thing? Uh, I mean, look how – how is that any different than when you sign your paperwork to become a student athlete? You're acknowledging that, hey, I won't do this or that. I acknowledge that right. if I get caught doing How is this any different? I acknowledge that if I get caught doing this, this, or this, I could be kicked off the team. That's why I was surprised that this being as overblown as what it got. That's all. No, um, no, I'm saying like the the actual like waivers. Like, yeah, if you catch it, you can't sue the NCAA or your academic institution. Is that going to come from the NCAA or is that going to come from the school? Uh, I think if the NCAA has proven that they are a bunch of cowards <laughs> and that they are going to leave it up to a school, I think it's going to have to come down from the conference. I don't think it's going to be a school or okay. an NCAA thing. The, Mark Emmer is a coward. 
in all of this. I, I have zero respect for him. When this started and he came out and said, oh, everything's going to be a school-by-school decision, you are a coward. This was the time where the NCAA needed to come together as a whole and have as many working parts together to make decisions because you're not just making decisions for a business side of things. You're making decisions on lives. And the more minds you have coming together to make the right decision, the better. So for Mark Ember to come out and just say, oh, yeah, I'll be here to support and make money off any decision you make, um, but I'm not going to help you Touchdown. make it. You know, that, that's, that's, I, he's a coward. I have no respect for Mark Ember and the NCAA as far as that's concerned. Uh, let's go to, oh, and by the way, this pledge, seven pages long. That's why I also find this pledge to be kind of strange. I think it's setting the groundwork for the real one that's coming around the corner. Let's go to Robert. Robert, thanks for holding, man. What's up? What's going on, man? How are you? Oh, not too bad. Just living the dream, baby. Aren't we all, man? (laughs) What you got for us? (laughs) Uh, You know, you you talk about adults, and you know, 18 when you're an adult. And, you know, I find it kind of curious. I mean, if they were the reactive draft, I mean, you're 18, you can go fight and die for your country, but you can't drink a beer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you, and you're, yeah, and when you're 18, your mom and dad don't get to decide whether they sign off on you going to fight or to be drafted as far as that's concerned. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, that's I mean, one way I mean, to look at it, absolutely. I mean, smoking cigarettes, smoking, drinking, you know, you know, you know, you can die for your country, you're only 18, but you can't, you can't drink a beer. You know, I, I don't agree with that. Yeah, so. Kev. <laughs> <laughs> Who says as I wasn't drinking beer at 18? As far as signing stuff, I'm back to work now, and they're working in like a dog because half the people ain't working. They ain't showing up, and, and they're wanting to sign paperwork. And I said, I'm not signing anything. Well, I'm just curious, and again, I'm not arguing one way or another. I'm curious, why, why did you choose not? What was the, I guess the paperwork, was it saying if you get it, you can't, like they don't want you to sue? Or what, what exactly well, was the I'm paperwork? I'm not even looking at the paperwork. I well, mean, that makes like, a lot. What I'm if they were offering you a raise, Robert? What if they said by signing this, you get 5000 extra a month, and you just didn't even look at the paperwork? Well, you're not getting it, because, because not if you don't sign it. You, they're passing that paperwork around from people to people. They're passing that pen around from people to people. <laughs> I don't want to be involved in that. So I just want to stay away from people. I <laughs> get know? it. I get it. Ay, ay, ay. All right. That's man. my take on it. Adios. Good day. You too. I appreciate the call, Robert. <laughs> I ain't touching a pen. I ain't touching a piece of paper. I'm just here to do my job and go home. I feel you, right. Oh, my goodness. All right. Okay, so just again, to continue with the interaction on the show, the uh, ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline, 210-9676. ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. Or you can call into the show at 457-9464. But it is interesting as far as this is concerned, just the the mindset moving forward. Ohio State players, like, let's localize it even more. You know, who's to say, like, I think you could potentially see it even at the high school level. You know? Uh, And that's the other thing we haven't even discussed. We're talking college and adults. But, Kev, you know, if there's local high school athletes, like, we are digging like crazy just trying to figure out to get a vibe for as far as high school football is concerned. Talking to different ADs, different coaches, and they all seem to have no idea. Either, for once, people have learned how to keep something tight and to the vest, and I highly doubt that that's the case. I believe that there's just no one has a clue as to what's going on as far as – and no one should – not that they should. I I think that right now you got to be more cautious with high schoolers. That's why I'm like, if this was about high schoolers, yes, you got to be as cautious as possible when you're talking about high school kids, you know, real kids, not 18-year-old adults <laughs> at college, who are, by the way, doing more dangerous stuff during a non-pandemic at parties than they are during the pandemic when there's social distancing rules put How in place. How old are you, man? I'm 30. <laughs> you sure? You sure you're not 75? 
No, I have no problem with that. I'm just saying, like, I know damn well that it's not like that, you know, our parent, parents, by the way, oh, here's the deal, okay? Kids go to college and, no, kids, men and women go to college and they go to parties and they get super drunk and they do way more dangerous things on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. And if they're really fun, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as well. They, they do way more dangerous things at parties during when the world is regular than when there's a pandemic going on. And mommies and daddies aren't looking over their shoulder afraid to send them to college to go be drunk and do stupid things. But yet now mommy and daddy are they're afraid that they're going to go catch the coronavirus that and there's all these things put in place to protect the student athletes. the student athletes are actually in better shape as far as uh you know safetyness than they are probably at their own homes just saying who do we got we got doug doug what's up man how are you hey i'm good hey i just tell my kids yeah you turn 18 you're by age you're an adult by mine you're still a kid but my thing is you turn 18 who, ins- who health insurance you still on? Hey. <laughs> hey, you can get uh, the school health insurance. Hey. Right? <laughs> hey, I got who my health- wisdom teeth pulled who- at 22. I was still on my mom insurance. <laughs> who health insurance you still on? Huh? So when these, kids, when these kids go to college and play football, whatever sports, they get hurt. I know they had surgery, but you never hear who's taking care of it. You know, is school paying for it or the parents paying for it? So who health insurance, you know? That's actually a good question. I'm no, assuming the school, the school, does the school pay, pay for that? The school takes care of it, but like uh, I know there's do everybody do everybody depends on what about the walk ons situation. Yeah, no, not the yeah. walk ons. Yeah, uh, but I, I remember uh, <laughs> this is this is gonna yeah. might get me in trouble. But Evan Turner, hey. when he was at Ohio State, uh, the there was a report that the school paid for him to get braces because it would help him with his breathing, and so that was deemed athletic situation that helped him get his braces through the school. Yeah. 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 I, I just know but I just know that, you know, everybody always say, you know, uh you know, they used to say with well, you know, you're a student athlete, you sh- you uh you know, you should you uh you should stay to school till you graduate, you know, you couldn't leave early. But nobody they don't never say that about the general population. I mean, you know, the general population they leave school and able to get ready, you know, but nobody don't complain about that. But anytime so-called student athlete do something it's always a complaint from the majority of the people because they like to see those student athletes entertain them entertain everybody you know for selfish reason you know but i'm just saying if you 18 and you're not dope but when you get hurt who insurance you on who health insurance you on but when and i'm quite sure and i'm quite sure those state schools you know you know how business work uh you know they look for some kind of way to put it off on somebody else. <laughs> but see, like, parents who are worried about that as far as health insurance goes for their 18-year-old kid that can get the coronavirus. I, again, if you, if you remember going to parties and you're in college, I see way more danger. You're jump, I mean, people are jumping off countertops because they're hammered. They're, I, ju- they're jumping I, off I second agree. balconies into I, tables I below. Agree. Man, I, I couldn't walk with, for a week. I agree with that, but I'm just saying when somebody get hurt, who, who, who take care of them? The Ooh, parents, but the parents aren't keeping them from going to jump off there second balconies go. at parties. I, I, I didn't say all that. I, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying when you're 18, you are an adult, but who health insurance you on? Cause Until you know 26, man. Right. Hey, that's all I got to go with. 
All right, Doug. Take care, man. Appreciate the call. Doug sounds like he's still paying for some health insurance for some kids that's in school, and he want to get off of it. I don't blame him. Well, <laughs> like I said, parents aren't worried about. I mean, their kids are more in danger during a non-pandemic at a party on Thursday, Friday, Saturday in college than they are going to a football team that is doing everything they can to bubble everyone in and keep them safe. Those kid, those student athletes. This is the safest that they'll ever be. Moving forward. So, I no. No, 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 no. There, there's a chance they're going to get it, but there's just the same chance they're going to get sitting at home. Just so you know. So, there you go. There you go. Kev's wrong again. <laughs> Never wrong. <laughs> Never wrong. Never wrong. We'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash next. Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Justin Kinner kept Nash with you here. Uh, how about this? Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler, uh, as far as that broadcasting duo, is one of the top favorites to potentially join the Monday Night Football booth. Wow. I don't know how I feel about that. And the reason I don't know how I feel about that is because I think, and I don't know why people are, people are down on them because Buckeyes fans hate ESPN. And Kirk Herbstreit always rubs Buckeye fans the wrong way because, heaven forbid, you have a honest football opinion and don't just blow smoke up a fan base's you-know-what. So I've always respected Kirk Herbstreit for that. Like, And I respect any broadcaster like that. That's why I don't like when when Buckeye fans say, oh, I... You know, Gus Johnson, they're the best. They're doing to you what you think ESPN is doing to the SEC. The, you know, like, Fox Sports is in bed with the Big Ten, just like, if you want to use that argument, it's the same argument that can be made the opposite as far as ESPN uh, and those broadcasters. I mean, it, it couldn't be the fact that the SEC just wins championship after championship. No, it can't be that. I mean, there's no way that the SEC could be good. I mean, you know, it, to me, it's just crazy that Buckeye fans get mad when ESPN says that they're good, you know. The Urban Meyer thing from years ago, oh, they, they, they were just out to get Urban. No, Urban left a lot of boxes unchecked as far as protocol is concerned that left him vulnerable to being dissected by, by the way, not just ESPN, but every media outlet out there. The only reason you think ESPN beat up on him the most is because you watch ESPN the most. So <laughs> that's the thing. Like, it doesn't make any sense as far as people are concerned. <coughs> Excuse me, Rona. Um, I like, I do like that idea. I just hope they don't take him out of the college football booth. I really do like Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit doing Monday Night Football. I don't want that, though, to happen and the result be taking them out of the uh, the college booth as far as that. Like, there's something about both of their voices calling a huge game, especially a big Buckeye game in prime time, you know, not noon. I don't care what anyone says. That's not prime time, even no matter how Fox tries to sell it. It's not noon. Um, prime time is at night. And there's just something like soothing about watching a primetime college football game with them calling. They the call game it the night. big noon kickoff. Well, okay, you could just put big in front of something; it doesn't mean anything. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm with you. I don't. I, I would prefer them not leave the college game. I, well, you call games. You do a lot of uh, sports casting for games in town. How difficult is it? How difficult is it to go from? calling one sport to the next sport i mean you do basketball volleyball baseball like you do a lot of that type of stuff so how difficult is it from going from wednesday to calling a basketball game to thursday night doing a different sport you tell me um it's it's not difficult if you know the sports like i don't think it'll be difficult for them if they were going to go the route of okay they're going to call 
Like, there's still a chance they could do both. Uh, there's still a chance that they could do both. Because I know Kirk Herbstreit in the past, when it was brought up about him potentially doing, heist, or doing uh, the, you know, calling Monday Night Football, he was very vocal about the fact that, hey, you know, um, you know, he just didn't want to give up doing college. So maybe this is a way that he could be doing both. And I would find it interesting. In fact, I love the draft coverage when I hate when they just have NFL guys talking about the NFL, the college football players coming into the draft. I've never liked that. I loved when they did the balance of college football analysts with the NFL draft coverage. Like, I thought that was excellent. I um, agree. I love that they brought Jay Billis and Seth Greenberg onto the NBA draft panel, you know? So you have your NBA guys that are discussing the talent coming in, but they're able to kind of dive deeper, take a deep dive, as you like to say. <laughs> they're able to take a deep dive into more of that player's background because Jay Billis and Seth Greenberg and some of the other guys have, you know, they've covered college basketball all year. They know the ins and outs of all those top players. Same thing in the NFL. I think Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler would be great. I just don't want them to leave the college sideline. I think that that's where I prefer to see them is calling college games. I don't know what's so hard about finding the right NFL mix because I feel like they create their own problems. Like, let's be honest. Like, you knew the last duo that called Monday Night Football, Booger McFarland. I don't know what they were thinking with that because you can't afford to take chances anymore. You need established personalities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what they need to do here. Pat McAfee is my vote. I don't mind Kirk Herbstreit and Fowler in there. In fact, I think that would help. I think that they can get away with that. But how much do you want to risk hurting the other side of your product versus this? So that's why I'm like, I wouldn't mind it, but I would rather have Pat McAfee and another broadcasting voice calling Monday Night Football. Bottom line. That, that's just my personal preference. But I am curious. 457 9464. You can also uh, text your answer into or text your opinion into the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. 37 in front of the 2109676. If you're, uh, of course, you know, needing to put that in front, so make sure you take care of that right there. But I'm curious of people's thoughts on the idea of Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler calling Monday Night Football. Thumbs up, thumbs down, 210-9676 if you just want to text in your opinion. Or ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. Or you can call in at 457-9464. So let's have some fun with that. Who would you like to see in the Monday Night Football booth? Um, that's what I'm kind of curious from people. When I say that there could be potentially Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler in the Monday Night Football booth, your reaction's what? I like it. I, I, I like it. I just don't think that that's a smart route to go. That's all. So to answer your question, my situation is different. I mean, I can a lot of those guys can call every sport in the books. You know, I don't think it would be difficult for them to go from college to the pros. Their work ethic in covering college would transition into calling the pros. Football's football. They know the names. They know the game. It's just a matter of Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler go beyond just the calling a game. You have college football game day that I think mm -hmm. is big. Um, I think that not this year. I think this could be a situation where. You know, if there's no college game day this year, this would be the year that you could take advantage of Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit calling Monday Night Football. Uh, I think you could do that, especially if, the, you know, they're, they won't be as busy um, doing the, you know, college game day during the year. So th that's going to be interesting as far as how that goes. But, Kev, who we got on two? We got Dustin. Dustin, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. What do you think about this Chris Fowler, Kirk Herb Street Monday Night Football rumor? Big time thumbs down on that. Oh, one. come on. that That's a, a big time thumbs down, huh? Yeah, I like you, Justin, I typically don't agree with you. This time I'm going to. I do not want to see those guys taking off of college. 
Saturday night football game. Is it because you like them? And co- you like okay, you like them in the college football rule. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, no, no, no. I, I want them to remain there. It's yeah, I, no. They're great. They're a great team, um, but I don't want them to go to the NFL. I think staying where they're at on the college primetime Saturday night games, that's where they belong. When you hear their voices, uh, you you just think it's a, it's a big marquee game. This is a big time. It's a big boy college game. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's why it's like I wouldn't be against them moving up, but they're kind of their their brand is with college. The NFL needs to find NFL. They need to find their own voice, and I think that's kind of lazy to go that route. Plus, I think you need to find something that can go long term. I would love them to find two younger, established broadcasters that you would be able to rely on for a long time. That would be the face of Monday Night Football. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler would not be long term as far as that's concerned. Um, Fowler especially, Herbstreit maybe, but Herbstreit has too many tentacles and other areas, especially college football, as we talked about. Right. Yeah, I don't even like it when I see Fowler. I think, what is it else? Doesn't he do some basketball here and there? Uh, Fowler does a lot of tennis and golf as well. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Tennis. I, it's weird to me. Like, Don't get me wrong. That's just because I mostly watch college football and whatnot. But every time I see him or hear him doing another sport, it just sounds so odd. <laughs> not that he's not good at it. It's just when I hear that voice, you know, you're thinking, oh, here we go. You know, I mean, big time game, you know, uh, it's just, I don't want them to, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they, they can obviously do it on the NFL side, but I just don't want it. I want them to stay where they're at. Yeah, I'm with you. Who, so who, who would you like to see? I, I want Pat McAfee. I don't know who to suggest to put with I them. I like McAfee. He would obviously be the color guy. Oh, he'd be so, so different. They, he would be somewhat. Yeah. He would like. He would be. That's your outside the box pick. And I would not yeah. blame. They have to go that route. I, I really do yeah. because you can't keep putting in the dry suits in there every week. You just yeah, can't. He, um, he Booger McFarland had no guy. personality. I don't know who the play-by-play guy would be with McAfee. Honestly, I don't think ESPN has a whole lot of good play-by-play guys. Honestly, and that's just my opinion. But their color guys seem to be a little better than their play-by-play guys. In yeah. my opinion, yeah, that's just me. But uh, yeah, I hope they don't make the switch. You know, I can, I know they could do it, and they could do a great job. But yeah, it just to me wouldn't be comfortable. That's just me, though. No, I get it, man. Hey, uh, Dustin, I appreciate the call and your Thanks. take on that. Thanks for contributing, man. You take care. All right, good stuff. Four five seven nine four six four. If you want to call in, or you can text your thoughts into the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline two one zero nine six seven six. This one comes in from Travis from Waynesville. He says, "I would love an uncensored channel with Pat McAfee and someone else on it. He's a riot." This is Travis from Waynesville. So I, I love. I, I mean, look, yes. If there's an uncensored channel, and I, I watch the Pat McAfee show, I find him absolutely hilarious. Um, I met him in New York, and he is like he is. What I like about him is he's the same person off the air as he is on the air. He's just a blast. He's the life of the party, and uh, I think he would definitely bring a, a certain buzz, <laughs> uh, a certain buzz and energy to the Monday Night Football booth. I'm not against Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit. I would just prefer they not go in that direction. Leave them in the college football booth and add some flair. Add a young guy. Add a young guy because what was what's cool is like when you look back and say, oh man, he's been on Monday Night Football for ten plus years. You you hire an older guy, that's not going to happen. Pat McAfee is the person uh, that I would like to see hold that. Let's go to uh, Dave, Kev. Let's go to Dave. Dave, what's up, man? Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks. So I think I think um, if we're going to go and you want professional and you want 
you know, a lot of people are going to hate this pick for ESPN because they don't work with them. They work with another network. But I think the, the best out there is Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. They don't miss anything. They're always prepared. Aikman get They've got the voices. You know, you've been listening to them. And I understand they're not young, but they're not old. So they would be there for a while. They're just they're very very consistent. Like I said, I know a lot of people hate Joe Buck. A lot of people get tired of Troy Aikman, and I think that's because they still associate him with the Cowboys. But when you listen to their game, the, the Fox game of the week, you know the four o'clock game, they're always great. What about Tom Brenneman? That's a way outside the box, so, but I'm just what? saying I'm throwing his name out there too. <laughs> Two other ones, okay. I would say Pat McAfee and Tom Brenneman. Tom Brenneman is, and that was so. So that one was, and it's, God, I can't believe you said Tom Brenneman. I was thinking the same thing. I almost said Marty, like goofing around, but Tom Brenneman's another one. Super professional, great voice. Um, and then Max, you just get a, you know, you get a different spin, um, which I don't, I don't know. He is, he is funny and he's awesome. How long is that going to, is that going to be, you know, Monday Night Football is the, the flagship um, broadcast of, of all football, you know, so is, is his, humor and, and the way, he, how long will that last? So then, here was my other one, and it's a young guy and an old guy. The suspense is killing me. Are you still there? <laughs> oh, no, Ab. Hold up, hey, yeah. you cut out, you cut out, so I feel like you've said it, and you're real confident about it, and you've just been let down because no one heard it, so I'm going to let you restart that. A young guy and okay. an old guy, throw a okay, young, young guy and old guy, and I'll go with the old guy first, and it's Brent Musburger, because he's got the voice, and, he, and he's kind of got that factor. You, you just you can listen. I can listen to that guy read children's books or or crime books. He's just he's got a great voice. And then this is somebody. I don't. A lot of people don't remember this guy, and he's young. Chris Ricks, okay, quarterback for Florida State. Do you remember that guy? Yes, yep, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you haven't, so he does. Some play-by-play um, for the ACC network, and and I think he was on ESPN a long time ago. He did a lot of radio. That guy is awesome. He is great. Um, another awesome voice, and obviously we're not going to get any run for Chris Ricks. But if you, I mean, you can just Google him and listen to him. He he gives you the perspective, kind of like I, I. He reminds me of Tony Romo when Romo came out. And people were like, you know, you hadn't heard Romo spoke from the pocket. Um, with the way he would draw stuff up and, and bring you in as, as a fan into what the quarterback's looking at or what the defense is looking at. Um, Chris Ricks is, is very, very good. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know I don't know if he's – he's you'd have to hear him. He's really good. So I think a Musburger, Chris Ricks thing, um, and obviously Pat McAfee and Tom Brenneman would be good. But you can always go with the gold standard. And, and and you know what you get. You get an A-plus game every single week from Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman. All right. Well, good stuff. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for the call, man. Much appreciated. Thanks. Uh, people are probably, their ears are bleeding at the idea that I was being serious about Tom Brenneman. I only said Tom Brenneman because he brought up Buck and Aikman, and, and uh, Tom Brenneman's part of that Fox NFL crew as well. Um, but why not? I, I'm actually curious. People that don't care for Tom Brenneman, and I'm a big fan of Tom Brenneman, and I'm not just saying that to kiss his ass, mainly because he's going to be on with me this week, so there's that part of it. Uh, but no, I'm, I, I like Tom Brenneman. I have no clue. I know he rubs people the wrong way. My favorite line from him is that anyone that listens to baseball real late at night doesn't have jobs. I still 
never will forget that. Like that was one of my favorite, like one of my favorite broadcasts of his, where he was trending, and I had no clue why. And I go back and listen to it, and because and, he's always complaining how the games are too long, and he said honestly, he goes, "Why are we pandering to the crowd that?" Doesn't have jobs. You know, we're we're having games that last eleven or midnight for you know the people who don't have jobs the next day. I'll never forget that. That was great. But I think he does a great job for football. I love. I mean, Tom doing football is great. Uh, I wouldn't mind that. I just think football go younger, go young. Pat McAfee. I think you need to find someone that can gel with Pat McAfee. Uh, I'm not comparing Romo to McAfee, but. The one thing that Nance had to do with Romo was adapt to Romo's quirkiness. Romo is very different. He is quirky. He's not your traditional color analyst. Like the way he he kind of transitions in and out. He kind of oh, will overstep. Like he'll he'll interrupt at times, or he'll go he'll be a little bit too long winded. But that's what people like. It's the genuineness of him. People that even hated him with the Cowboys have kind of grown to love him, which is crazy to me because people have grown to love in a day where we hate on everything. I've been amazed at how quickly people have gravitated towards um, the the broadcast work. Of Tony Romo. Pat McAfee, I'm not comparing him to Romo as far as the knowledge, but what I'm saying is is the way Nance had to kind of adjust to Tony Romo, whoever would work with Pat McAfee would have to adjust to him, but I think the entertainment value of McAfee alone would bring a lot, so many more eyes and ears. Sure, it might turn people away, but when you're bringing more people in than sending people out, Booger McFarlane sent people out and never came back. Pat McAfee might do that for much less people, but I promise you he's bringing a truck of people with him, and his fan base is like you've never seen before. I'm all about the Pat McAfee uh, Monday Night Football option. I just don't think it's going to happen. 210-9676, the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. Text in your thoughts there, or you can call in at 457-9464. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. Right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. We welcome you back. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here. About to wrap up Hour 2, Hour 3. Coming up, we're going to get into the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa documentary from last night. A lot of interesting takeaways from that. Uh, I've seen mixed reviews as far as their thoughts, uh, as fans' thoughts on the documentary. Uh, I didn't think it was the worst. I didn't think it was the best. It just, there was a lot of things I took away from it as far as kind of comparing baseball now to then. And baseball was considered not as good, you know, they were in a bad space then. And obviously that home run race kind of, you know, undug, or kind of dug them out uh, of the situation that they were in. Um, But I will say this, one thing we're going to be talking about coming up in Hour 3 is, you look at that, the one thing that Major League Baseball had post-94 to allow them to dig themselves out of the hole they were in because of the holdout or lockout, the one thing that they have then that baseball does not have now, that's star power. That's players that people care about, like a Ken Griffey Jr., like a Mark McGuire, like a Sammy Sosa. People don't care about today's players. People cared about the players then. You could put the same. You couldn't have this. You can have two players from today's game in the same situation, chasing that same home run marker that they were chasing. In people, it would not resonate as much today as what it did in the 90s. And that's because it was in. I say this all the time, like the dunk contest in the NBA. And Kevin, I disagree. Shocker. <laughs> it's not the dunk that people ooing all over. It's who they're, It's who's doing the dunk. People don't care about the dunk contest anymore because for All-Star Weekend, what All-Stars? They're really good dunkers. That's fine. A lot of people can dunk. But the people want to watch the Stars dunk. No one cares. That's the same in baseball. Right now, people are hitting the snot out of the ball. Everyone's hitting home runs. That's fantastic. The stars are doing it, but the problem is the stars are not on the level of what they were in the 90s. We're going to discuss that all coming up in Hour 3. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. Guys, are you feeling more tired, run down? When you spend so much time indoors like we've been, your body can't create all the energy it used to, making you feel sluggish. 
Listen, Ageless Male, the number one brand in male enhancement, has a solution. Ageless Male Core Energy. This isn't a caffeine spike. This is male-targeted nutrition working on the cellular level, helping to recharge your body's natural batteries so you can power through the day. Core Energy is coming to Walmart, but you can call now to order your bottle. Hurry, and you'll get a second bottle free. Plus, you'll get a free bottle of vitamin C and free shipping, too. Just call 1-800-489-4161. Ready for a recharge? Show live here on ESPN Dayton. had a good weekend. Welcome in. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here. A lot to get into here as we close out this third and final hour. 457-9464. That's the number to call in and jump in on the conversation. And then, of course, the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. 6-937-210-9676. You could text your responses into the show uh, in live time and we'll respond to those throughout the conversation. But uh, we were discussing that I've, I came across an article during the break a little bit ago stating that Chris Fowler and uh, Kirk Herbstreit being considered to be transitioned into the Monday Night Football booth and what that means for the future of college football. Still don't know yet, um, but it was interesting hearing people's responses as to who they would prefer to see in the Monday Night Football booth. Let's go to Alan. Alan, thanks for holding, man. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good. I appreciate you holding, man. What you got for us? So I don't know how much experience they have or anything, but I think those UFC uh, announcers do a great job. Joe Rogan and Mike Goldberg, I think they'd be amazing on that. Really, and see, I kind of like the idea of going younger, so that would accomplish that. And, and guys that could be as to have a rapport together, and you come in, and, and there's longevity there. I want to see guys kind of like I want to say, hey man, they they started together ten years ago doing this. I would love to see that kind of thing develop for Monday Night Football to give it kind of an identity again, because right now it's just it's lost its identity as far as that's concerned. Yeah, it just seems like it'd be some new blood in there, and just you know, they're popular anyways, and you know, I think that'd be. Kind of interesting to see that. Yeah, people felt comfortable when Gruden was in there. Did you like Gruden? I did. I did like Gruden, actually. So that, that's been the thing. Finding a replacement for him has obviously been tough, and I'm glad that they moved on uh, from the booth or from the guys they had in the last couple of years. Right, right. So, all right, Alan. Thanks, thanks so much, man. Take care. Uh, but yeah, and we'll continue to get your responses on that. Two one zero nine six seven six. The Dayton fan, the ESPN Dayton fan hotline. If you want to uh, text your thoughts into that, you can do so or call in at four five seven nine four six four. So last night, um, I had a chance to watch that documentary, the Mark McGuire Sammy Sosa documentary, and it was interesting. I didn't think it was that. Look, I think that the uh, the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, I think that's ruined a lot of documentaries moving <laughs> forward because people tune into these expecting that same kind of feel that you get when you watch that, but you're not going to get that same kind of feel. I thought that this was the one, I thought this was one of the most unique ones that they have done because of the time in which um, the the time in in which this happened and how it put baseball back on the map. I think it would be interesting as far as that's concerned um, when you look at that, when you go back and look. The other reason it was interesting is because you have Mark McGuire, you have Sammy Sosa, you have the steroid era, uh, you have two guys that everyone gushed over for the longest time and then basically put them in the villain category the second that the, you know, the steroid era hit. 
and they entertained you. They they made you love baseball. Uh, they were a part of your baseball uh, experience. And then all of a sudden you find out that they cheated along the way. Um, there are things going on on Facebook today. You know, is Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, you know, is Barry Bonds and all those. Are they all Hall of Famers? I said, absolutely. I don't fall in that category of they're not Hall of Fame. Like, it's not like steroids was this magical potion that took scrubs like me and turned me into the best, one of the best baseball players of all time. Like, these guys were already the best at what they did. Um, how much of an impact did it have? I don't know, but Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer beforehand. Uh, Mark McGuire and last night, and again, are, what are you going to, you know, at what point are you going to take him for his word? He did not use those steroids his entire career. He used it more late in his career as his body started breaking, breaking down. Because it was suggested to him that he take that uh, to help, you know, remain healthy as he was being counted on more and more. I don't have an issue with that. Sammy Sosa's remained quiet. Um, and, you know, really, up until now, you haven't heard much about Sammy Sosa other than he looks different. I mean, uh, we still don't know. Is that a health issue? Like, what went? Because he was. No. He, no. So is that no. like, how do you just go from black to white like that? <laughs> and he looked darker in that documentary. Like, I'm not trying to be funny here. He actually looked darker than I expected in that documentary. And no, I'm not trying to be funny and don't take anything I say and twist it and say that you're offended. I'm just saying that I have seen pictures and video clips of him where he looks as pale as a ghost. And last night, I thought that he looked less pale, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to be funny, but it's true. And a lot of people on social media pointed it out. What the hell's going on there? Uh <laughs> For lack of a better Why are you word, laughing you, because I, because I'm trying to make sure I don't say something that is just like crazy and it's about to be also, the Kev Nash show if I'm not careful. But it's true. I'm saying what everyone's thinking, and there's nothing wrong with saying, "Hey, you used to be really, really black, and now you're really, really white." And I don't know what happened, and we're all wondering the same thing. There's a uh, this is a product called cake soap that basically bleaches your skin. So basically, that's what he's using. So it wasn't for health reasons, no. or we know. And if there is great, I'm not even asking in a way to make fun of him. I'm just, it's really, it's, it's, don't act like for people who hadn't seen him since the 90s, tuned in last night and said, what the hell? Yes, I did see the clip. He is looking more tan. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, the last interview I saw with him where he had on the pink shirt, that was not a good look. Him and his shirt were the exact same color. Cav, <laughs> come on. I'm just saying, bro. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. It was. Oh, same. <laughs> Goodness gracious. And it's just, I, like, I don't know what's going on with him or what's going on with that. I mean, it is what it is. But, man, I tell you what, regardless, and, and I'm curious from Cubs fans what their thoughts are on, on Sammy Sosa. No, not the, the skin changing or anything like that. I'm just curious. Sammy Sosa, the player, and Sammy Sosa, the, the benchmark in Cubs history as far as where he falls within, you know, Cubs fans' mindsets when it comes to their team. Uh, you know, there's talks now ensuing that, you know, he would love to come back. He hasn't been back to Wrigley. Like, Cubs, like, have disassociated with him, and it's so weird to me because I thought he, you know, the Cubs are one of the most storied franchises in Major League Baseball, but, like, especially for a lot of baseball fans, I, yep, that's not a good look. You're right. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. I, I got nothing. Holy moly. Anyways, so for those, like, he showed me the picture of Sammy Sosa wearing the pink hat and the pink suit. In the pink face. Like, I'm not really sure what's going on there. Like, it's it's very different. That's all I got to say as far as that's concerned. But I'm a big Sammy Sosa fan. Uh, everyone, let's be honest. There was two players that I tried to, uh, when I played baseball, I loved the, the Gary Sheffield, the swinging of the bat. Like, I love that. And then, of course, you combine it, 
into the, after you hit the home run, you do the Sammy hop. Sammy Sosa had so much charisma. He was so fun to watch. He was a fun interview. He was an interesting contrast to Mark McGuire, who was very buttoned up, who was very quiet. He didn't enjoy the interviews. Like you, it, My favorite parts were when they had Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa kind of sitting side by side. And, you know, while Mark McGuire's trying to give you the dry, boring, political, buttoned-up answer, there's Sammy Sosa kind of looking in with a smile saying, oh, yeah, I'll be right there to catch you. I'll be right there the whole time. I love Sammy Sosa. He was one of my all-time favorite players growing up, and he made you want to watch baseball. He made you want to watch baseball, whether it was Cubs or whether it was baseball as a whole. You don't even have to be a Cubs fan to tune in to watch Sammy Sosa. That's what made him great. Same thing with Mark McGuire. They were superstars. You you had to tune in to watch him. And as I'm watching him, and as I'm watching last night, I'm like, there's like Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. There's there's not two players in the league today that fit that 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 make you feel about the game the way those two did. I wasn't a Cardinals fan or a Cubs fan. I hated both. You know, but I loved Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. They were guys that made you tune, tune, uh, turn on baseball. Ken Griffey made you turn on baseball. All right, Barry Bonds made you turn on baseball. Roger Clemens made you turn on baseball. All of these steroid stars, it wasn't the steroids that made you want to turn on baseball. It was the stars. Hell, put the league today on steroids. No one cares. I don't care. It's not going to make any one of those guys more watchable. It's just not. Home run, uh, as far as home run numbers are concerned, they're through the roof. They're through the roof right now. And and people are always like, oh, well, you, you know, when you look at... Uh, when you look at the home run numbers, you know, chicks dig the long ball. No one cares about the long ball. All right, Everyone acted like the steroid era was so popular because of the long ball, and that's what made people watch. Folks, right now, there were more home runs hit last year than at any point in history, and that didn't lead to higher ratings. In fact, throughout the World Series last year, they were known for the lowest-rated World Series Game 4, Game 5, and Game 7. Game 7 is the lowest-rated Game 7 ever in the history of Major League Baseball. That's a Game 7. That's a game seven. That, that you need, you should. To, I mean, regardless of the sport, the urgency alone should get even the most non-baseball fan interested in tuning in. They couldn't even get baseball fans to tune into Game Seven of the Major League Baseball World Series last year. All right, but you six thousand seven hundred seventy-six total home runs last year. It didn't help. You go back to the steroid era. Let's let's go back to let's just go back to ninety-eight. 5,064 home runs hit total in 98. All right, at the peak of the steroid era, when you start going into 2000, they hit, you know, 5,600, 5,400 in 2001, uh, 5,000 in 2002, 5,200 in 2003, 5,400 in 2004. Folks, 67 home runs. Home runs are not what drives people to watch Major League Baseball. It's the stars. That's why it's like the dunk contest that I said earlier. It's not the cool dunk that gets you excited. And it's not the long ball that gets you excited. It's who's doing the dunk in the NBA and it's who's hitting the home run in Major League Baseball. Everyone is hitting home runs in Major League Baseball right now, and no one cares. No one cares. Not everyone was hitting the home run in the 90s and early 2000s, but the superstars were hitting the home runs in the 90s and 2000s, and people cared. Baseball doesn't have that today. They don't have that today. You want to know what else stood out to me during the documentary last night? There was a line in the documentary that stood out that said, records in baseball matter. You know how football in the SEC just matters more? We joke about that all the time. Um, let's be clear here. Records in baseball, and they go on to talk about how re- like baseball modeled, you know, it marketed itself off of the history of the game and the importance and urgency of those records. 
And that's what was fun about following the home run chase and fun about you know following these great hitters and these great pitchers and these great power hitters. There were there were guys that you knew that you were like, oh man, we're going to be watching these guys you know compete for you know maybe the all time home run you know or all time hits, all time this, all time that. You just felt like you were witnessing something great and special every night, and you don't get that vibe now. It's funny. So I started looking at the home run numbers as far as that's concerned. Uh, Folks, when you want to talk about the home run records, like when Albert Pujols, all right, moved up to number five on the home run list, like it was unbelievable to me that no one cared. No one to no. I remember when Barry Bonds and, and Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, when I was in elementary school and into middle school, teachers would stop class, okay, to turn on television if there was a day game. I'll never forget when the Giants were playing. Uh, no one was Giants fans, but you you had to you had to say that you were witnessing history. I remember we had teachers that would stop class to turn on the Giants game because Barry Bonds was up to bat. That mattered. There's not a player today that anyone would stop what they're doing at any school capacity to watch. All right? It could be right now as far as the as any kind of historic home run, you know, record chase right now, it's going to be another 10 years before any of our recent stars can compete for any home run relevancy. All right? You're going to need 587 home runs just to crack the top 10. Just to crack the top 10. Just to crack, we're not even talking about competing for the all-time, you know, home run. We're talking about just, com, you know, cracking the top ten. Albert Pujols cracked the top five. No one cared. <laughs> Records matter. They don't matter anymore. And it's because it's the, there's no stars. There's no star power. Pujols kind of got grandfathered in from the steroid era, and I think that he's never been really given the benefit of the doubt. I don't know how you, you know, Reds fans too, I think, around here aren't willing to give him the benefit of the doubt either because he played uh, for our rival in the Cardinals. And I think that's where that comes from as well. But recent players would need 587 home runs just to crack the top 10. Miguel Cabrera is 36 years old, and he has 477. And he's been one of the best players over the last decade, and he only has 477 home runs. He does not have 110 home runs left in him, and he's the closest one to that. He's not getting there. How about pitching? We will never see a 300-win pitcher again. The last pitcher to get to 300 wins was Tom Glavin and Randy Johnson. And I'm not sure which one got there first. I just I jotted it down quick as I was researching that earlier today. But as far as pitchers within the last decade or two that we can remember watching, that I remember watching, Tom Glavin and Randy Johnson were the last two pitchers that surpassed the 300-win mark. And we're never going to see that again. I don't. There's no way. Pitchers are not pitching as many innings. So they're taking leads into the fifth or sixth inning and then being pulled. You are now leaving a bullpen responsible for two to three to four innings a night. And that's a lot to ask a bullpen to cover for a pitcher who used to cover seven to eight innings of his own ass, as far as that's concerned. You're not not seeing that anymore. You're just not seeing it anymore. All right, the closest pitcher today to 300 wins, folks, Bartolo Colon. And he's 46 years old. How much does he weigh? And he, <laughs> weighing 375 pounds, Bartolo Colon. All right, 247 wins. Bartolo Colon is at 247, and he's the and he's not even on a roster right now, technically. So let's go to the the next most you know active pitcher, I guess, Justin Verlander. Folks, he's sitting at 225 wins for Justin Verlander. Okay, who is 36 years old and has already pitched 15 15 seasons. For him to get to 300 wins, he would have to, for the next five years, average 15 wins a season. It doesn't sound impossible, but it is. 
right now, Rob Manford just came out and says he's not confident that there will be a 2020 season, by the way. That's a whole other topic that we haven't even gotten into yet. So it's already looking like 2020 is going to be significantly shortened or not happen at all. There's going to be a CBA that's going to probably lead to another lockout coming up within the next year. That's not happening. Justin Verlander is not going to get to 300 wins. All right? It's just not going to happen. So we're not going to see any of our active players within the next 10 years get to any kind of home run relevancy that we're going to care about. We're not going to have any of our current pitchers, and what I mean by current is any pitcher that has at least started pitching within the last 10 years or has just started pitching now. In the next 10 years, we will not be talking about any of our pitchers pushing for the 300-win mark. How about hits? All right, Pete Rose, the hit king, 4,256 hits. He did that in 24 seasons. Willie Mays is 12th on the list at 3,283 in 23 seasons. We, there's actually Reds fans out there that try to argue that Joey Votto is just as good or if not better of a hitter than Pete Rose. Give me a break. Give me a break. Pete, Joey Votto has 1,800 hits in 13 seasons. He's 35 years old. He needs 2,390 more hits to pass Pete. That ain't happening. It's even dumb to talk about. He needs 893 more hits to pass Willie Mays just to be 12th on that list. It's not happening. He would have to average 128 hits a season for the next seven seasons. That is not happening. Period. There is no one on the current active hits list that will compete for a top 10 hits. Uh, there is no one on the active uh, roster today that within the next 10 years will be competing to be one of the all-time top 10 hitters in Major League Baseball. That's insane. So that's baseball's problem, folks. It's not pace of play. All right? It's lack of star power, and it's the fact that, yes, records matter. Records don't matter in football. They do, but they don't. You know, they're, they're talking points. You know, we take pride in them if our team holds a record, but that's not what carries the sport. The NBA, the scoring leader, all those type of things, they're great talking points, and they're great resume additions for when you're arguing Hall of Fame, but it's not carrying the sport. Major League Baseball is carried by the history of the game, and the history of the game doesn't matter because we are 10... We are... 10-plus years away from still not having a player be within the home run all-time list, 300 wins list for pitchers, all-time hits list as far as even cracking the top 10. Like, that's sad. That We're going to go two decades of no players that will touch any of those marks. And that's sad. And Albert Pujols is active, and I'm keeping him out of this conversation because we as baseball fans have already proven and showed that we don't care about Albert Pujols. And that's wrong, but we've already proven that. And I think that's wrong. Miguel Cabrera, he's flirting with it, but he's still not going to be top 10 in any category. And that's, you know, that's sad. And how good has he been? And it's still not good enough to get to where we can put him in that conversation with those guys. RBIs, how about Hank Aaron, all-time RBI leader, 2,297. Folks, Miguel Cabrera, who's active right now, has 1,694. He's 36 years old. He's not catching Hank Aaron, all right? Uh, Robinson Cano, and he's 36 years old, 15 seasons. He has 1,200 RBIs. He's not catching Hank Aaron. He's also not catching. He's not getting into the top 10. Albert Pujols has 2,075 RBIs. He's fifth. The next highest active current player is Miguel Cabrera at 29. He's ranked 29. So no players currently are going to be in the RBI race, the home run race, the 300-win race. And by the way, I'm being generous with the 300 wins because you're never going to get to the Cy Young 500-plus wins that he has to lead all wins in Major League Baseball. So that's what I'm saying. That's why baseball is hurt right now. It's not three batter minimums that are going to change the, the outcome of anything. 
shortening the game isn't going to matter. The DH in both leagues isn't going to matter. The players today are just not as good, or the managing style has taken away opportunities for players to be superstars. The three batter minimum, it eliminates positions. That's not helping the history or adding to the history or the strength of the game. Pulling starters out after the fifth inning, David Bell, and I, I'm being mean. David Bell's doing what every, what every manager is doing in Major League Baseball. That's not helping. That's not helping. You know, we're talking about juiced baseballs, all these guys hitting home runs. That's sad that you're juicing the ball potentially. You're cheating the game from the reverse way, and it's still not leading to anything. Baseball's in trouble. And the crap that just came out now about Rob Manfred coming out and telling ESPN's Mike Greenberg that all of a sudden that we're, we're not going to have, or Greeny, sorry, that we're not going to have a season, that he's not confident at all. He went from last week saying that he's unequivocally guaranteeing a season, and now he's not confident that there will be one. Baseball's a joke. It's pathetic, and it's embarrassing. All right, I got a question for you. So is it the responsibility of the managers to win games or to keep making superstars? Oh, to win games. But it doesn't mean that, like, and this is what I argue with the, the stat nerd people on Twitter all the time. Argue what you want about it being, it, it's it's leading to wins. But, again, it's actually not because, you know, David Bell, how many one-run games did he lose last year? Um, but my point is, is that is. The changes you're making, oh, we're managing different. And as a, you know, Rob Manford and the owners can't tell you, hey, don't manage this way. In fact, they are telling him to manage this way because everyone else is doing it. But I wish someone would speak up and say, hey, you managing this way, going this direction, has totally just wiped out an enti- the entire history of our sport. Like, Kevin, we're going to go 20 years before we're talking about any active player competing for any kind of historical significance in any major statistical category. RBIs, hits, home runs, wins. Uh, you know, three hundred wins, even like it's insane to me. This is this is a problem. Like I think what's making basketball great is the fact that you were watching all time greats in every era, in every decade. You know what I mean? Like we watched Kobe move up the list. Now we're watching LeBron move up the list. We're pretty soon we'll be talking about Durant and Steph Curry and even James Harden, as crazy as that sounds from a scoring perspective, move up the list. There's always like that's what I love is every decade all time greats are being spit out and they're competing for national greatness with the all time great players on the all time stat boards. Baseball's not doing that. I don't follow NHL uh, enough to be able to speak to that sport. So NHL fans, you can help me out with that. Our every decade our players consistently competing with historical records to always be in that conversation. I don't know. I don't follow hockey enough to be able to speak to that. I'm just being honest with you. Um, the NFL's doing it. Frank Gore, people don't even realize that he's, you know, as high up on the all-time rushing list as he is. Like that, like every every decade, you should have players moving up the list. Yeah. We should always have decades of great players that you're watching. Like, you know what I mean? A top ten list should have sprinkles of so many generations and decades of players. Baseball doesn't have that. See, that, I think I, I agree, but the thing about baseball, it was built on records. Like, that's how everything has always been tracked because of baseball cards, and this makes your value better than another player because of stats and everything like that and breaking records. Basketball and football weren't built on that. It was just built on NBA really had an emergence of, like, built on the superstar and the guy that excites you the most. Yeah, he may, like, okay, you look at um, Carl Malone and Kareem, like, those guys are the top scorers in the NBA, but the most exciting guys in the NBA are the high flyers and the guys that can make acrobatic acrobatic layups and cross people over. In NFL, 
You know, I couldn't tell you who's the all-time leading passer. I have no idea. I know Emmitt Smith is the all-time leading rusher. Um, I don't know who's the all-time leader in interceptions. I have no idea. But I know Deion Sanders was so good. I know that Ronnie Lott was good. I know that Ed Reed was good. So stats aren't the things that come to mind when you think of the NFL or the NBA. For me, at least. I don't know how everybody else feels. But like it is in baseball, it is about stats. And you could be the best player. And the fact that you know Barry Bonds was a Hall of Fame player before he allegedly was on the juice. And he was even crazier later in his career. And he didn't win a World Series when he was with the Giants. People don't even care. Because he was so good. Because his stats were so crazy. But you can't get that off in the NBA. You can't, like, you look at James Harden's stats. You, If you're just looking at stats, like, man, James Harden's a great player if you strictly look at the stats. But we don't care about that. We care about his performance in the playoffs and if you win some championships. It's just a different game. It's, I don't know why it's viewed that way. Maybe somebody a little bit older than us can explain to us why baseball is viewed that way versus the other sports. Absolutely. And if you want to jump in on the conversation, and I'm curious people's thoughts. I mean, how far off am I? Um, because I was watching that last night, and I'm like, man, there's just like if you put that same situation, if you take that home run race from 98 or 97, whatever that was with Hank, with Hank Jesus, losing my mind, that home run race with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, if you, if you put that same scenario in today's baseball, pick any star you want. Maybe it's Bryce Harper and, 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 and Trout. Okay, the two biggest stars in baseball are Trout and him. And to be honest, I don't think that there's a lot of weight to those names uh, within the baseball community. Yes, because you know who they are. But my whole thing about stars are non the non the non fans of your sports should know who they are. And I'm telling you right now, non baseball fans have no clue who Bryce Harper or Mike Trout is. And they're the two brightest, youngest stars in the game today. And when I say within the next 10 years, it could be 10 years before any player from today is competing for at least in the ballpark of any of those you know, major statistical records, they're going to be it. Maybe. But you look at the money that they're making. All right, four hundred million for the next twelve years or thirteen years for Mike Trout. Uh, you know, three hundred million, three hundred fifty million for Bryce Harper. That's a lot of money. They may not need to play the entire length of that contract. Like there are so many things that are leading to those records never being touched, and that's the that's the problem that I have with baseball. It just doesn't matter anymore. I thought it was sad when Albert Pujols hit that record-breaking home run, and no one cared. It just wasn't a big deal. But you saw how much it meant for the home run chase. Sosa McGuire, you put the you take two players in today's game and put that scenario out there, chasing each other for the home run record to save the game from all the mistakes that the owners and Trevor Bauer and the players of today are making. <laughs> Always going to throw Bauer's name in there because he likes to talk a lot. I'm going to put his name out. He likes to be out there a lot. I'm going to throw his name out there a lot. Um, that, that's that's it's just not going to save him this time. Baseball's in serious serious trouble. So line. I didn't see the doc last night. But I did live through it. From my memory of everything with that home run chase, it was Sammy's personality that carried it. Mark McGuire's power, because just like you said, Mark McGuire in interviews is a boring interview. Like yep. he's a, a guy that wants to go out there and play baseball. But I remember, I can't remember which game it was. Um, I guess it was when they, when Mark broke the record, maybe. And uh, Sammy was there, right? 
Was yeah. that that game? Okay. Because he came running in from out the outfield, and he pissed some of his teammates off, but he ran in from the outfield to congratulate him. And they did the Sammy. And the Sammy, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like So, like, that memory right there sticks out of a guy that isn't so boombastic and rah, 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 having that excitement. Like, it just doesn't have – baseball today doesn't have that excitement. Um, the closest you get to it for me is watching – removing my team is watching the Yankees watching Aaron judge. Like he's a very good baseball player and brings a lot of excitement to the game for me. Like, but I can't tell you the last time I watched the angels because they're never on TV. Plus they're never in the playoffs. So they're wasting his talent as far as that's concerned. Uh, trout, like you never, like in the games that matter that most people would tune in for, Yeah, like for their, for, you know the baseball game that people would tune in for that doesn't involve their team would be a playoff game, and, and your best player's not even there. Um, that's another problem. Now baseball can't, you know, that's just unfortunate that the Angels are wasting his career, and it's unfortunate that he chose to stay with an organization that is yet. You know, that's why I respect that. You know, people hate the NBA because players bounce all over the place. But it's the one sport that I love more than anything because the players hold the team's feet to the fire. If you do not put a contender around them, they will leave, and you are in trouble. The Cavs did not do that with LeBron, and he left the first time. They put a contender around him the second time, ultimately couldn't keep a contender around him moving forward, ultimately led to him leaving. And the same thing with Anthony Davis with the Pelicans. Uh, and we see, you know, the, the Kevin Durant with the Thunder. We've seen it all over the place. I love that about the NBA. What people hate about it, I love about it. I wish stars in baseball did the same thing. Trout could have looked at the Angels and said, man, I'm the best player in the game today. And although they've brought in good pieces, to be fair, they do bring in a lot of good pieces, but they have yet to prove that they can win with him there. I bounce. <laughs> Put the pressure on the organization. That's why I get mad when Joey Votto, did all this losing, never spoke out. Oh, well, baseball players don't do that. Well, that's why no one cares. I don't, whatever's worked as far as, you know, when people hide behind traditions, that's fine, but those traditions at least need to prove that it leads to something. And being quiet and not calling your team out doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Hold, hold your team accountable. You have the right to do that. We have the right. If we don't feel like we're being put in a position to succeed, we can leave our job. You know, they same thing for them. But when you choose to stay in a bad position, like AJ Green with the Bengals, when you continue to stay, like you know, you show no competitive spirit whatsoever, you're gonna. Oh, I want to be with the Bengals forever. What have they done to prove that you want to be with them for the rest of your life? Like my goodness, you know, man, I'm in good shape now, kinda. Still gonna finish last. <laughs> All over the place. All right, Todd. So the Bengals won't finish last. You admit that now. Hmm. They should. They should <laughs> win eight to nine games. They won't, but they you know should. Me, man, I'm just taking notes. I'm just taking notes. Taking the temperature. The Bengals should win nine to ten or eight to nine games this year. With that roster, no excuse not to. And when they underachieve, I'll be right here laughing the entire time. <laughs> You're trolling, man. It's not trolling, dude. Like seriously. You win two games last year, you spend $150 million, you get your quarterback, you get a steal of a receiver in the second half, you get A.J. Green back, you have Mixon, one of the top running backs in the league, and you have Tyler Boyd, and you only you, you can't win eight to nine games? Hey, enjoy that 12-year-old joke of a coach you have. All right, we'll be back in a moment. <laughs> you played Turtle Creek Golf Course yet? Formerly Greenville Country Club, Turtle Creek has local, state, and national recognition for excellence. They also have some world-class facilities, like the famous Thirsty Turtle Lounge, a full-service restaurant and bar with seating for up to 200 guests. Come try the Turtle's famous chicken. Now, back to the Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. 
right, uh, in a letter today, Major League Baseball told the Major League Baseball Players Association that there will be no 2020 season unless the players waived any legal claims against the league. Ah, here we go. That beautiful waiver conversation again. Now, Kev, they're adults. Can, is that okay for you? And yeah. <laughs> Had our agents look over everything. Here, here's the problem for Major League Baseball. They went in with one plan and one plan only, and that plan was, of course, fans would be in attendance. When the fans were not a part of the plan, which was so stupid anyways, because why they would put plans for fans in attendance in March when it was at its worst as far as, I shouldn't say when it was at its worst. Well, yeah, it was before it, we flattened the curve, right? Uh, it When it was, when I say worse, it was the lack of knowledge Yeah. at the time. That was dumb. They should have had a, you know, written two different documents saying here's our plan if this happens here's our plan if that happens they made one plan and one plan only so the players problem here is that they are pushing for the original agreement back in march but the problem is is that the original agreement back in march had fans involved and there's no fans so the league is right for saying hey we got to redo this because there's no fans now even though we agreed to this back in march and the players are right for saying hey no we agreed to this but the players are also stupid for not understanding the fact that the reason that they're trying to change it is because fans are not involved in the equation both sides are full of crap. This is not a CBA agreement for the next 10 years. It's for three months during a pandemic when everyone is impacted by this financially one way or another. We have talked about this over and over and over, and this ain't going anywhere. In fact, it's only getting worse. Only getting worse. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is, you know, Eugene Friedman uh, tweets out that, the, this, that this indicates that Major League Baseball knows it has violated March's agreement best efforts provision and won't proceed if the players association intends to try to enforce the agreement and by enforce that means legally mm-hmm. because that means in court they probably would have a case which is why baseball is saying you know what just forget it just forget it so they both want out of the pro rata provision and the best efforts provision seems like they really dislike their own work Goodness this is embarrassing this is bad this is bad folks there's going to be no baseball going to be no baseball they might not recover, man. They they won't recover because, like we, we were discussing earlier, not the records in baseball, but there's no star power. There, like, there's not a player. I'm disappointed that I can't watch the Reds this year. Okay, like in the NBA, if this was the NBA, Kev, I'd be disappointed because I couldn't watch LeBron, Kevin Durant. Even though Kevin Durant's out, regardless of whether this is a season or not, but you see my point. Like there are stars in the NBA that I would be disappointed that I wouldn't get the chance to watch. The NBA may not be on everyone everyone's cup of tea, but it is the second most popular, third if you're going to put college football ahead of it. Fine, um, but you know, like in college football, I mean, if college, if NFL doesn't happen, man, that's devastating. Not because I can't watch my Browns or my Cowboys, but it's because I can't watch. Tom Brady with the Buccaneers. I can't watch Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. I can't watch uh, Drew Brees and the Saints. Like the, you know, there's there's so many stars that I can't watch that that would just devastate me. You know, and when it comes back, the NFL will be fine because there's enough stars to generate the interest to get you to come back. Major League Baseball doesn't have that, and if anything, you just have hate for the end for the Major League Baseball right now. Then they deserve every bit of hatred that is thrown their way. It's embarrassing. <laughs> It really is. Like, Trevor Bauer and I don't really, like, I actually got a note from him saying that my comments towards him were getting on his nerves. And I said, okay, that's fine. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Wow. And I, I, I said, well, he was trying to explain everything that the league was doing. And I politely responded with him or back and forth saying, I, I, with all due respect, I agree that the players are being 
that the players are right. You know, everything he says about what the league is doing that's wrong, I agree with. And everything that the league is saying that they want to accomplish and they have the right to do it, I agree with them too. But what I agree with is this. I agree that both are morons. Not Trevor Bauer, <laughs> per se, but the players are more. Both sides are wrong. No one wants to hear you talk about, again, I know people are sick of hearing the same argument, but the pennies on the dollar argument during a pandemic when unemployment's through the roof and all that, like how tone deaf is the league? They are wrong. It's frustrating. No one cares. Like the, the, it's like the divorced parents. Like we're the kids, okay? And mommy and daddy are having issues, okay? Major League Players Association versus Major League Baseball. And both keep coming to us, the kids, trying to explain to us why the other one's wrong and why they're right. And we're stuck in the middle and we have to pick a side. But there comes a certain point where you as kids just have to say, you know what? You're both idiots. I'm not on any of your sides. I'm done with both of you. That's where the fans are at right now. The fans aren't taking mommy's side or daddy's side. They're just saying, you guys both need help and we are going on our merry own little way. We're going to go live with someone else. Like, that's basically what Major League, that's what the fans are doing right now. And I have no problem with it. Because this isn't about, remember what we talked about earlier, Kev? Like, like, there's a lot of things in life and in sports that's right and wrong. But it doesn't matter what's right and wrong because optics are the only thing that matters. Optics are off here. They're off. And it's it might be irreparable moving forward. All right, four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call in and, and join in on the conversation. Um, you can also text the show at two one zero nine six seven six and let your opinion be heard uh, as far as that's concerned. But man, whether or not there's baseball moving forward, that is the big question mark. But it does not sound um, like it's going in that direction. Cav, who we got, man? We got John and Kettering. John, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, not too bad. How you doing? I was good until I read this dumb response uh, from Rob Manford and company. Rob Manford last week says, oh, there will 100% be baseball. And now he tells, you know, Greeny that, uh, that he's not very confident at all that there will be baseball in 2020. I tell you what, after I heard your rant, man, I tell you what, you're just killing my dad. You're killing my grandfather again in his grave. I mean, you're killing everybody, you know. Oh, hold on. What am I doing? That sounds like I'm doing some harm here. What am I doing? <laughs> I don't know, man. It sounds like you're bashing baseball so hard, like with a baseball bat, the, you know, they can't, you know, settle down. Well, I'm, getting a, ru- I'm, I'm getting a running start, man. And, I'm getting a running know. start. Huh? I'm getting a running start before I swing, man. That's how angry <laughs> I am right now. <laughs> you are, man. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel bad for my dad. I mean, he had four tickets this year to, like, two different venues. And they were good seats to see his uh, beloved Yankees play. And, you know, he's like, I can't get, you know, refunds for two of the tickets because in mm-hmm. Cleveland they won't talk to me. And I got refunds for the ones in Detroit to see my beloved Yankees. But, well, it sounds uh, like baseball is killing themselves more than me, man. You need to take well, that frustration up with this. I, I, know, I know the real story, but, you know, I mean, poor, poor dad, you know, he's been watching since the uh, 60s. And, uh, you know, he just wants to watch baseball and. You know, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's the reason he gets up in the summer. And, you know, that's why my uh, my granddad, I mean, you know, that's how he got through life. I mean, he had nine kids. But, man, I tell you what, you know, just listen to the radio on WJR to, watch, to listen to his beloved Tigers. I mean, that's how he got through. Uh, that's how he got through having nine kids. So, <laughs> 
know, I tell you what, man, but you you, you really put a bashing on him. But it's because this is the worst timing possible. That I could like, I would be more pro player if the uh, if this was a CBA because you are positioning yourself for the next ten years. Like every decision, like with the CBA agreement, will impact them for ten years. We're talking about a decision, John, that is for three months of baseball, and they well, neither know. side. Like that's embarrassing uh, for both sides. It's just not. It's not right. Both sides are in the wrong. Not. It's not there. It's not this this guy's fault or that guy's fault. They as a team, they're acting like they're against one another. They collectively, as a unit, are destroying their own sport, and it's sad. Well, I know, I know. It all started in the eighties with the reserve clause, and mm-hmm. you know uh, the players getting paid like astronomical numbers, and and uh, you know that's when you know the, the fans really lost out because nobody was playing for the same team, and and players are getting paid astronomical numbers, and. Then you got, you know, mixed in. I mean, it's just the collaboration of effects with baseball. There is no star power. There is no, you know, series where, you know, you can just, you know, have your, you know, team and be like, well, they're they're like the big bread machine and, uh, you know, have, they have these great teams or, you know, uh, you, you just don't have that anymore. And, and uh, you know, like uh, I remember when my grandfather said, you know, if you can't go nine innings then you're a wuss. You know, when it came to uh, being a pitcher, and uh, you know, I don't know. That's it's just the way it goes right now. So, you know, it's a different game, and you know, they play the analytics model, and I don't know. I it's just baseball now. But I get know. it, man. I get it. But but I see them out. I see player. I see people out playing. You know, I see people. You know, out in the field, and they're playing ball, and they're playing with their kids. They're playing. You know, the sports pretty popular, you know, amateurs play in them, but, you know, I mean, I don't think they'll get a season done this year and probably next, not next year either. It's a shame, but it's just the nature of it. Absolutely. So. But, hey, man, we're out of time. I appreciate you t- uh, calling and chiming in. I'll try to take it easy moving forward. How about that? There you go. All there right. You go. Talk to you later. Adios, man. All, All right. right. Uh, we'll close out the Justin Kinner show next. It's interesting. Uh, did you hit drop? There we go. <laughs> uh, so, OBJ was working out with an interesting quarterback that I think has led to some conversation that I think is still a little premature, but I actually could see a path to the Browns. I'll explain when we come back. What is this? I need more than this. What did he say? So he was talking about the the letter, right? And he said, Goodell's saying that Black Lives Matter is almost like a slap in the face. Uh, Bennett said, Black talent has has been exploited at a high level in the NFL he knows Black Lives Matter because without black players, the NFL wouldn't be at Hayden Kinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. this basketball fans tomorrow the tournament all right the tournament 2020 selection show uh and again actually no it's not tomorrow, the 16th. Oh, yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow's the 16th. I'm losing my yes, mind. Indeed. I got all thrown off. My notes my are My grandmother's wrong 90th birthday is tomorrow. Holy moly, man. I tell you, Tuesday. So tomorrow, yeah, well, I'm not going to lie to you. I had this in my notes on my June 16th. I go, oh, that's not tomorrow. I'm like, oh, crap, it is. It's the 15th today. 
All right, let's start that over again. Good news, basketball fans. The tournament selection show tomorrow, the TBT bracket reveal tomorrow, June 26th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and again, it's going to, you know, Seth Greenberg. Uh, we've had him a lot on the show a lot, especially this past season with the Dayton Flyers being uh, as relevant as they were. And it was interesting just talking with him throughout the year um, about the Flyers and the Flyers program and the history of the Flyers. And he's going to be on tomorrow talking about the, the selection show and, and what's going on from there. So I'm excited to see what's going on as far as that the Dayton Flyers have their alumni team the Red Scare so I'm looking forward to watching them uh, as far as that's concerned I spoke with John Diebler today former Ohio State Buckeye he's going to be coming on with us on Wednesday uh, on 1410 Wing Live. We'll also have Tom Brenneman on uh, this week as well. So lots of uh, lots of exciting guests coming up around the corner as far as 1410 Wing Live is concerned. The show's over, but the interaction is not. If you want to uh, text your sports thoughts throughout the evening, the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline the number. You can text or leave a voicemail and of course we'll respond to everything uh, on the show the next day. Uh, so take advantage of that. 210-9676. It is 6 o'clock. That wraps it up for us. Until tomorrow, this is Kenner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio.